you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is part of the Dave Damashek coaching tree. <laughs> From the Chris Wesseling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I got heroes here. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. We're here now at what is, you know, pretty close to the midpoint of the NFL season. And it's been a weird NFL season, boys. It's been an unpredictable NFL season. It has been uh, the Sunday, an injury-plagued uh, NFL Sunday. And we're going to get to all the big um, news that came out of the day and go through all the games. And there are 13 of them, Greggy. Mm. So bring your A game, buddy. Full slate. I'm feeling it. It it did feel like a like a momentous day. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we know we know some teams their future at quarterback changed today. We saw some teams kind of reinsert themselves into the the bigger picture. It felt like okay, maybe this season's starting to take a little shape today. Well, I think a lot of it is like yeah, it's a big week when you know that there's a lot to come on Monday in terms of like news updates mm. and where we are. And there was a period where you know, because Greg and I watch these games early and then. You are you live close by and you'd come around halftime of the second game usually. Yes. And uh, well, okay, phrasing. Uh, but Greg and I like there was like five or six major quarterbacks. It was like all happening. Raucuses within about a twelve minute period, and we're just like walking back and forth to each other, talking to each other about it. I I can't <laughs> follow it up tomorrow. So. He painted a picture. He painted. Yeah. You really did. I did. And the audience is so prosaic. Is uh, you know. Let's get to it. All the better for it. Um. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Been here since like nine in the morning. I was like, saying, at what point yeah. were you realizing that story really had nowhere to go? Uh, you know, I tried to guard myself against that <laughs> and, uh, on, during a, a show last week. I warned you in the middle of a segment that whatever I was doing was not working, and it's happened again. And this is also a Sunday that, um, in my corner of the universe, I witnessed one of the most insane, unlikely comebacks in the history of the NFL, and mm-hmm. and data backs that up. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that as well. Mm-hmm. But let's start uh, with. The big news, I can't I can't lock a game anymore because anywhere I go, the NFL says, no, what you think is not what it is. The Niners at home, unstoppable. The Niners are very stoppable right now, especially when a healthy Joe Burrow is involved. Second and goal from the five. Chase out to the right. Everybody else bunched in tight. Burrow in the shotgun waiting for the snap from Teddy Karras. Burrow catches at the 10, gives it to Mixon again. Bouncing it wide to the left. He's on his way to the promised land. Touchdown, Bengals. Mixon dancing in the end zone. And Cincinnati (laughs) takes a two-touchdown lead. Mm. Oh, the Bongos come out early. Wow. Okay. Dan Horde, Dave Lapham, WCKY with the call. You see Joe Mixon in that end zone and doing that dance and a very quiet, big bell bottom. There's a swagger and an energy around the Cincinnati Bengals now that wasn't there just a scant few weeks ago. Joe Burrow threw three touchdown passes. Cincinnati intercepted Brock Purdy on back-to-back passes in the second half. Mixon iced the game with an incredible after a, an incredible kind of answer drive by the Bengals. 
in the fourth quarter. And yes, the Bengals beat the Niners 31-17. They've won four of five now. And um, Greg, we'll start here. Mm. Uh, Joe Burrow, when this man is healthy, and he is absolutely healthy right now, um, he is one of the most thrilling players to watch in the league. And, you know, there was some conversation on this podcast, Greg, about what's wrong with the Bengals and what's wrong with this coach and why isn't the system working? But it's Burrow. He's the heart of everything. And when he's right, everything clicks into place. 28 of 32, 283, three touchdowns. And he has this team believing that they are better than everyone. And that's the way they look today. When I, when I said at the top of the show, you know, certain teams, you know, reintroducing themselves, putting themselves back in the pick. I'm, I'm thinking this game because I never expected to be in a point in the season where the 49ers have a three game losing streak. And I, you know, I was wrong, but I started doubting whether the Bengals were going to be the Bengals because I thought they had these other issues that were plaguing them in terms of their run defense, in terms of their offensive line. But maybe you're right, Dan, like. These numbers and the texts I'm getting from Nick Wesseling and Spice Rack, uh, Wes's old friend, Brad Spicer, who just are saying, like, it's all happening again. Like, are you seeing, like, <laughs> like even after the game, Zach Taylor said it was our first complete game. Like, this was the Bengals team that we've been waiting to see all season. They didn't commit a penalty in this hmm. game until very late in the affair. And uh, everything came so easy. And the reason why I picked that mix and touchdown, even though it really was a, a, a day that was about Burrow and how great he looked, Mark, was that at 24 to 10, um, after the back-to-back interceptions by Purdy, uh, San Francisco takes over and finally perks up, comes to life and goes right down the field. Um, I want to make sure I have the numbers right here. They go right down the field, uh, 10 plays, 75 yards in 452 and make it a seven point game. And that's at the point where that building is loud again. And Cincinnati with Burrow at the control says, no, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. They take the ball back and they go 10 plays, 78 yards uh, to end the game. And that is a closeout drive from a championship type team. It's I, I think what has happened to San Francisco over the last three weeks is equally as to me, stirring and surprising is what's happened with this Bengals team. And the Bengals are like, Week one and two, we don't care. We just don't care. We didn't care last year. We don't care this year. Who would have thought the Niners three, three weeks in a row would put up only 17 points? Three weeks in a row. And that Brock Purdy, who was, if nothing else, not creating mistakes, not taking the team and putting them in reverse. Um, I, two interceptions today. And it's one of the first times where I've heard Kyle Shanahan come out after and say, one of them was just flat out a bad decision. It was a bad decision. And it's like, we are seeing a version of Brock Purdy that makes me wonder if someone like Kyle Shanahan, who's a little bit up and down and like he has eyes for other quarterbacks left and right, would he ever be kind of compelled to put someone like Sam Darnold in there? We're well, not there yet. Let's talk about the Purdy situation because Purdy, when we did the show on Thursday, he wasn't playing. Like it right. looked, he was in concussion protocol and everything would had to, he had to check every box and it was pushing right up against it to check the fifth box. So he does get cleared. So it looks like pretty rare. It looked like Darnold was going to start. And then at the last second, Purdy started. And again, when you guys see this game, you're going to see Purdy wasn't bad. Um, in fact, there were moments in this game where, you know, he threw for 365 yards and had some made some plays with his feet. He ran for 57 yards. But yes, there's not you can't say anything Two on back to back passing attempts in crunch time. He throws interceptions that sink the team. And yeah, you thought maybe the first time you're looking at him after that second pick, Greg, and you're saying, 
is his confidence starting to waver mm. a little bit. Not, I don't think there's a controversy there yet, but we're now we're starting to make something toward that. They hit the buy uh, with questions about consistency at that position that are, that are fair to ask. I, I believe so. And, you know, I don't expect to see Sam Darnold coming out of the buy or anything, but it's a little concerning that these turnovers are coming in bunches. Like when it starts going bad, it, it stays going bad, but that's partly, you know, cause they're playing this, this Bengals defense and, and, and to flip it around, like the 49ers linebackers are known as the best linebacker duo in the league, but the Bengals linebackers, you know, Jermaine Pratt, who they were able to keep on a pretty cheap contract this off season and Logan Wilson who signed long-term, uh, they made big plays in this game. They were the better defense ultimately. And I, I, I'm more surprised that the 49ers gave up 29 first downs than I am that the that the Bengals uh, held you know San Francisco to 17 points. I I am quite surprised that the 49ers defense, which just coming into this year and and through the first five games looks so good, uh, has allowed them to lose three straight because you know they they haven't played well in any of these games. No, and Burrow set the tone on the first drive of the game. It was third and long on their side of the field, and he was done. Like there was a uh, a niner in the backfield. This was a sack. He he gets wiggles out of the sack and then scrambles to his right. And as he's going out of bounds, he zips one that looks like a throwaway at first, but no, it wasn't. It was for a long completion and that sustained that drive and led to the touchdown. And then there was another play where he once again, ducked out of trouble and then turned on the jets and scrambled uh, for uh, it was 20 yards, 20 yards. Yeah. And it was like, okay, yep. he's, he is fully right when he's doing stuff. We like talked that. about that. And this was a game where, you know, you got the best version of Nick Bosa who had nine QB pressures in the first half, which is the most by any pass rusher in the first half of a game this season, 12 on the day. So that was working. And I watched that play too. I got all these screens up and I saw Burrow break away for that. Some would say too many screens. Too many. Yeah. It is nine many. is a, is not a in the, not How does anyone watch anything? When not that in, the many la- in the late window, the you're time. just dealing with four, but like yeah. when he, when he had that 20 yard dash, um, you're looking at a player that's completely healthy. He's fixed. He's fine. And suddenly this Bengals team to me has no ceiling. Wait, it, I mean, and that, it, it's just the season is so long and that's why I'm not panicking about the 49ers, but you know, they're now spotted the Eagles a couple games if they're trying to get like a one seed, for instance, and they're bringing the Seahawks back into the division race. But it's just crazy that the Bengals and the 49ers essentially have the same record. One's four and three, one's five and three. It's like... Start over these two teams, which, which looks so different three weeks ago. And uh, like I said, um, the 49ers are in their bye. Then they visit Jacksonville, a team that's surging as well. So it doesn't get any easier. Uh, two quick notes. Trent Williams. Oh, yes. I did lock up the Niners thinking it was Sam Darnold. And I was very excited about it. Yeah. Then Purdy came in and I was like, well, I'm not going to bail out of the lock. But it took kind of like the feistiness out mm. of it for me. They didn't fight hard enough for the lock, I think, because of it. Uh, locks I mostly so. come down to luck. I've said that in the years that I win and don't win. It's mostly luck. The, I was locking up. Well, when you game. win, it's skill. No, when I'm you saying lose, it's, it's mostly luck when, when you win. I was locking up this game, but it switching to Darnold freaked me out. So I jumped off of it. And then it wasn't Darnold in the it's, end, but then it was too late. You're having a, a blessed year in the locks, and that's why the competition's effectively over now. No. Like we said last week, and now <laughs> well, you're picking up no, another game on me. Yeah. Um, left tackle Trent Williams missed a second straight game with a sprained ankle. And shout out to Christian McCaffrey. Even in a loss, he had two touchdowns, and he has at least one uh, touchdown in 17 straight games, including the playoffs that tied the NFL record set by 1963-64. Gail uh, Sayers. Matt, Matt Snell. I don't know. Wrong. Okay. Lenny Moore. All right. All right. Let's uh, move on. So the Niners uh, humbled by the Bengals. How about another? Well, I want to call what happened in San Francisco stunning, but hmm, 
interesting and quite surprising. Uh, let's head to Denver. This one was stunning. Takes the snap. Mahomes in the pocket. In trouble. Tries to climb with stiff arms. Benito throws the ball on the run. That ball is intercepted. Justin Simmons. Simmons in Kansas City territory. Get out of bounds, Justin. His sixth interception of Patrick Mahomes. Unbelievable defensive performance by the Denver Broncos. Justin Simmons had two of Denver's five takeaways. And Patrick Mahomes had nowhere to run. I mean, it was... I don't, Listen, I mean, you're not going to find a, a Sean Payton supporter in me. But as bad as his year has gone, his first year in Denver, I can't imagine a much sweeter tasting win than absolutely housing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, which is what the Broncos did in a 24-9 to win at mile high. Um, and it was... It was really surprising to watch. The Broncos hand Mahomes his first uh, AFC West road loss, uh, and they beat Kansas City's quarterback for the first time in 13 tries. This has been as one-sided as it gets, and there was nothing fluky about the performance. Um, uh, The Denver Broncos defense from the very beginning gave Mahomes fits. They never got comfortable, and Kansas City was just not sharp enough uh, with too many turnovers, a sloppy play, and... Every time, Mark, I feel like we're getting to a point with the Chiefs and their offense where you're like, okay, here they go. They're, they're off and running. A game like this happens, and it's like, what is up with this team? And, oh, by the way, the trade, trade deadline is in two days. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love that they mentioned Nick Benito in, that, in the play call there. I thought he played a great game. He caused all sorts of problems, uh, pressured Mahomes eight times. Mahomes, you know, reports coming into the game that he's dealing with the flu, and I feel like we never really know what that's doing to a player. Um, it, it feels sometimes like it's a great way for us to market you if you win. We've seen that before in another sport. Um, but he really was off his game. Like he, A different sport. That did happen. To a completely different a, play, a player that we mentioned too much. According I mean, to Greg, uh, so. conspiracy theory here. Uh, an old uh, Jordan. Jordan no, no, no. On, I think on the he, golf, golf so link. So he was dealing with that. Um, it was, you know, the, they cleared the snow off the field. But he also, at one point in the game, had... His hand was all banged up with gashes and cuts. So it was a tough day for Mahomes. He had a negative 20.6 EPA over 44 dropbacks, which is the lowest of his entire career. And that's what triggers the Broncos to beat the Chiefs for the first time since Peyton Manning was quarterback. And I I look at this Chiefs team. I think the one way is any team that loses a turnover battle five to one. You got some weird Mahomes plays, some interceptions, three foot loss fumbles. Mm. That's your way in. But Denver actually, um, their defense has improved over the past couple weeks after looking like an absolute open barn door for the earlier part of the season. It wasn't so much about the offense. It's like their defense showed up today, and this is a different looking team if you can do that. The, the season is so long. I mean, we just were talking about it with the, with the 49ers. There's, there's such peaks and valleys, but they've played three games and they've, they've allowed 45 points. And I would say this this result was would be even more stunning if we didn't see the Broncos hold the Chiefs to one touchdown two weeks mm-hmm. ago. I hate the two games in three weeks. It's not the reason they both teams have to do it, but I do think there's something strange about it. And it's also a division matchup where there, there is familiarity. I know it's a new coaching staff and everything, but the Broncos plan for the Chiefs worked really well last time around in terms of like stopping them from drives this time. It sounds like it worked even better, but yeah, 45 points by the Broncos defense the last three weeks. It's funny. Like when things happen, if they started the season that way 
everyone would be talking about like Vance Joseph, one of the best jobs uh, in the league right now. This is the best defense in the league. And, and it was the complete opposite. They were historically bad uh, early. Peyton was asked after the game about their trade deadline strategy. He said, we have no strategy. We're not the team that's going to be calling, but there's nothing happening. If something was happening, I would be the one to know it. So nothing is happening. Well, we know you're talking to people and saying like certain <laughs> guys are available potentially. But I believe are, everything they, he's said. But they are three and five now and the AFC is so wide open. And I think that's a trend. We'll, we'll see the rest of these games is these teams that were maybe on the outs winning games and, and maybe less likely to make trades. The key play in this game, it was third and eight at the KC 27. And the Broncos at this point are ahead 14 to nine. Uh, the Chiefs get a sack, and it's a bad sack that Russell Wilson takes that knocks them out of field goal range. So they ended up punting, uh, and that's when Mecole Hardman, recently uh, reunited with the team, muffs the punt, recovered by the Broncos. So after they get off the field, the the, the Chiefs, and it's about to be Mahomes taking over, uh, down five points. They muff it, sets them at first and goal at the 10. Two plays later, Russell Wilson hits Cortland Sutton for six yards, 21-9, and that essentially kind of was the game at that point. So, I mean, in a game that was marked uh, by too many mistakes, the the Hardman fumble was the one that I feel like broke the back of Kansas City here. Yeah, I think it's like there. Like it came to a point where there were too many gaffes. I mean, if you told me that Russell Wilson was going to throw for 114 yards in this performance, I would think it'd be another typical run-of-the-mill Chiefs-Broncos outfit scenario. But instead, Denver is blasting Taylor Swift um, as the Chiefs walk off defeated with Kelsey having, sorry, it is a little bit of a, to me, a split when, when she's mm. not in the stadium, 58 yards, <laughs> kind of held at bay. I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but. Bad news, by the way, because she is now going, I believe, on the international leg of her mm. um, record-setting eras tour, uh, which means. Not to Germany, apparently. She is not going to be around okay. uh, anymore. And yes, Russell Wilson threw for just a buck 14, but with three touchdowns. So that, that, will, that will give you a nice That's 120 a rating. move. <laughs> Former people that have worked for the Saints, like Sean Payton makes, and he's a great pay caller near the end zone. So he always is trying to get his quarterbacks touchdowns near the end zone because he loves the QB rating and the quarterbacks that have these gaudy stats. That's uh, such but, a Greg take. Oh, no, he's no. probably just trying to score. And it's it's absolutely he true. He's always trying to set up the quarterbacks that have these gaudy touchdown numbers, but he's great at doing it. So why wouldn't he? But this is a great running team. I meant to say it on Thursday. Javante Williams really looks good. And Julio McLaughlin's yep. a great number two. So they've, they had over five yards per carry on the season, Danny before this game. That's pretty impressive. So they're, they're a good yep. running team. They kind of ruined their season potentially with uh, how poorly they got mm. out of the gates and 70 to 20 is going to stick with you. Um, I mean, or this ruined their for a season long time. If they, or aim for that number listen, one pick. But. They're three and five, but they're not going to have the number one no, pick because this like, team has, they hit the bottom early and now we're seeing them most weeks now. They're pretty, pretty competitive. They're, fine. they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're not, the they're not a good team, but I'm looking at, yeah, I mean, they lost a close one. Uh, to the Chiefs, and they beat the Packers. They beat the Chiefs. Now they go to Buffalo. Who knows who we get with Buffalo? Shout out to uh, Russell Wilson, too. We're, we're hearing that the, the audio is not great on this, but I see you, Russ, trying to change, Ooh, let's hear it. Trying to change your uh, your new slogan to Go Broncos. Yeah, we, 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 do. we got all the confidence in the world and what we can do. We know what we're capable of. Um, and, you know, it's about the work. It's about the work. It's nothing else. It's about the team, but us being together, continuing to work, put, a, put our best foot forward, and... Uh, we're excited. We're excited about where we can go. Enjoy this one, guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
did it with the press conference too afterwards Little in front of the in, it assembled Denver media. It's Good. now the thing. It had not been the thing. I liked uh, Broncos Country. Let's ride. I I feel like you should have stuck with that. But you're right. It it did not test well. Did not go through the roof. No, for showman purposes. Uh, you know, he also uh, rented out a Waffle House for his very famous wife for her birthday. Let's go. Let's ride, baby. Ooh. <laughs> Good for them. That's a beautiful couple. All right, let's now move on uh, to uh, the most stunning injury news of the week to Lambeau Field. First and 10 from the Green Bay 20. Cousins is going to loop one right. Caught. Touchdown! Jordan Addison with his seventh National Football League touchdown. That gives Minnesota a 23-3 lead. And for Jordan, that touchdown means he has the most in the history of the Minnesota Vikings through the first eight games. Mm. Uh, That's Paul Allen with the call KFAN. And that turns out to be, that is the high point in all likelihood uh, of the 2023 Minnesota Vikings season. Up 24-3 over the rival Packers in Lambeau, a Vikings team that started slow but was really turning it on with Kirk Cousins playing some of the best football of his career. Uh, But after he threw a pair of touchdown passes in this game, Cousins uh, took a bad step uh, on the field in the fourth quarter of the 24-10 victory, Uh, immediately was ruled out after an examination. Uh, You started seeing things floating around on Twitter, a close-up of his calf area and that Reddit ripple that we saw in Monday Night Football with Aaron Rodgers back in week one. And sure enough, uh, reports out there that it is indeed a torn Achilles tendon for Kirk Cousins that will end his season and in maybe all likelihood his Minnesota Vikings career. Here's Kevin O'Connell, um, who did not announce anything because it's not official official yet, but talking about Cousins as a guy who will no longer be playing for them this season. I'm thinking of Kirk, uh, our locker room, every single player in our locker room, um, you know, thinking about our leader, our guy right now. And uh, I'm just so proud of him, proud of the way he's played all season long. And, and uh, you know, it's, you know, whatever is the case, if, if we don't have him for uh, one snap or, or uh, for the duration of our season, that will not change uh, the fact of what I believe Kirk Cousins, the level he played to this year and ultimately what he's meant to me uh, and our organization. Dang. Uh, Cousins has never missed a game because of injury in his 12-year career. An Ironman, he sat out um, one game in 2021 because of a positive COVID test. Crusher, uh, Greggy, this is um, always one of my favorite players to watch, and the Vikings are really shaping up as one of the more interesting teams in the NFC in the second half, and it all disappears in a blink. It's so crazy because you think about this game where they look clearly better than the Packers. Osborne gets 99, Hawkinson 88, Addison is a is a legit mm-hmm. dude, 82 yards and a touchdown, and where they can go, because their defense is good, and I look at this team, I think they're better than they were a year ago, on balance, and they're not going to get the 13 wins, and you think of Cousins, and how they didn't sign him coming into this year, that he's going to be a free agent with Achilles, and it's just heartbreaking, and then you also think of the timing, because the trade deadline is Tuesday, and to me, that's a a bit of a gift for the Vikings because they chose to go into this season. And it was a big topic in Minnesota with, with Jaron Hall as their backup quarterback, fifth round rookie. They, they couldn't get good play. Uh, I think it was what Nick Mullins was on the, yep. on the roster before too. I, I think being here, you got to see what's out there. Cause Jaron Hall just doesn't feel like it, it's something that can, that you want for, for 10 games for nine games, whether it's Jameis Winston 
or Ryan Tannehill or someone like this year's version of Josh Dobbs. I, I do think they're given not a gift, but just the fact that it's this week and not next week, they can maybe do something about it. I, I would expect them to do something about it. I Yeah, because so when they beat the Bears in that 19 to 13 contest, which it was a win, but it looked to me like the coaching staff had not cooked up a way to cover over Justin Jefferson's absence. Mm-hmm. I thought against the Niners, you know, with Addison stepping up, there are answers. And today we saw multiple pass catchers be extremely productive. And Kirk Cousins is playing one of the best seasons of his life. You lose him, but then you look at the schedule and I'm with you. Why not look for a Jameis Winston or someone like that? You've got the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, and the Raiders coming up next. You're four and four. Why not? It's over. It, I mean, what, well, because what over, okay, here, here's what it is. And I, and I get the it. The coaching staff can't think that way. I, I, yeah, I, well, they can't, but right. like we can. Like you can't just, you're not going to trade for a quarterback in week nine. You could trade for James and then Winston, expect though. him. Yeah. We think Jameis Winston would do I, with the playbook. I, in I'm his just hands saying you're talking about a guy that from, this is a, a, a rookie devastating BYU, setback. No, no, it, it, it absolutely it is. is. I guess I just mean, look, it's not going to be in Quessy's long-term plan. Like this is the team's actually trying to add draft picks and think about the future and get rid of you know, veterans. We were talking about them trading away veterans. Could it be something that actually makes them more likely to trade Daniel Hunter over the next two days? I don't know, but I think just life is short and you have to all live in the next nine games. And you could say like, it's over. Yeah. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They weren't winning the Super Bowl anyways. I think you have a a responsibility to your team that if you can get a guy like a Jameis or I, I'm not coming up with, you know, great answers. Jacoby Brissett. Or, and it could be for like a fourth round pick or something. And that it dramatically improves your next nine games. I think actually, I wouldn't even do that though. Like, yeah, why would. would you bring what in? Is it? Because what's a fourth round pick? It's, it's like a coin flip. The, they at, value them. Like General managers value them. They do. But that's what I mean. Like to me, nine games of uh, these next nine games are more valuable than a coin flip for a I guy that I'm might not, be a backup. Safety. I hear it. Trust me. I hear what you guys are saying. I'm not trying to be flip about it. Yeah. I'm just like kind of being a little more black and white and, and sometimes you just get screwed and they lose Jefferson to a serious hamstring injury. Now you lose your franchise quarterback to the most brutal injury. And it's just like, that's kind of it. And maybe for this team where they are now, it's not the worst thing now for it to be a developmental get the, if this kid he's on your roster, coach him up and, and see what you get out of him. And maybe you get a high draft pick if things go poorly. And if he develops, it's a, it's a bonus that comes out of a terrible situation. I just think trading for like a guy, like a, a Jake brisket, it's like, what, a, what are you really trying to do? Like, well, I think part of it wins. Or win I think part of it is it's right. your, it's your head coach in a particularly tough situation. What do you want to tell your locker room? I wonder if maybe you tell one announcing booth, Matt Ryan won't be with you anymore. <laughs> That's sure. A, that wouldn't I wouldn't mean, I, I, Plus, like, forget the draft pick. It's yeah. like, they're not going to, even with Jaron Hall, they're not going to lose enough games to get a worse record than this Packers team right now. Like, it, it, yeah, like the Packers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. There's got to be yeah. too many bad teams for them. And by the way, Matt Ryan, yeah. it's funny you brought him up because Matt Ryan uh, did supposedly reach out to the Jets or his right. representation did. So, you know, I'm sure maybe if he did it for the Jets, he would, Oh, I, I could it's... play with Justin Jefferson in a, in a nice dome. That doesn't sound too bad. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. The, the, uh, let's hit the Packers because we've got to keep moving. Um, but it's bad. It's, this team is obviously going in the wrong direction. And, and I think especially Jordan Love is going in the wrong direction because earlier in the season, through about week three, you're thinking to yourself, wow, they're just rolling into the next guy. In this game, you really could see a young passer whose confidence is in a bad way right now, which... 
yes, he's a young passer, but he's also been cooking on the bench for a couple of years now. So you were hoping maybe you wouldn't have to live with something like this, but he was missing open receivers. Um, he's making uh, bad decisions. Uh, he's turning the ball over a lot. He has eight interceptions in the last five games uh, th- under throws, just kind of throwing prayer balls up repeatedly in this game and hoping for good results. Uh, it just seems like he is uh, trending downward and Packers fans who are, you know, a very positive fan base. I feel like for the most part, at least inside that building, they're like booing, like they're the Philadelphia Eagles fans and they're booing Matt LaFleur and they're booing the quarterback and the general direction with the, of the offense, which is kind of rudderless right now. Yeah. If you're 25, you've never been through this. If you're 35 as a Packers fan, you've never been through this. And it's unusual to see a game that starts with four punts, Um, you have 98 yards in the first half, 12 minutes of time of possession, and you close the game with three, essentially fourth down stops downs in a row. It's like, they're not, this is Matt LaFleur's coaching challenge and it's not working right now. And it's interesting to see Packers fans in a place like this because it's pretty unprecedented. Right. Cousins cousins injury happened before that, you know, when that fumble happened and they had totally, you know, they had the ball inside the 10. They totally had a chance to get back into this game. It was like nothing. Cousins, happened. by the way, before he went out, was 12 of 13 for 139 yards and a touchdown on third down. So he was cooking up the Green Bay defense on third downs. And yeah, the the uh, Packers offense has gotten now five straight games without a touchdown in the first half. Um, they didn't have their first first down in this game till four minutes of the second quarter. So for the first time, I really think the Matt LaFleur era is under um, <laughs> attack right now. And I think there's a chance um, he could be in some trouble if this thing stays bad or gets worse from here. Do you uh, think it's a, it's a him issue? Is that though? fair or not? Well, I, is it a him issue versus like, who well, else what, be the offense think, isn't working I and he's the a, offensive guy. I don't know. Like he has a role. It was a show me something. See, we said going into the season that like, we're going to really learn about Matt LaFleur. Like, was it just, you know, Rogers or like, is he a coach that can sustain success and they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. He's got a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's see. Where are we at? Let's head uh, to Jero World. Here's third and eight. Rams are going to rush four. Prescott runs up out of the pocket and runs right. Looking downfield. Throw into the end zone. Touchdown. C. There it is. That's easy. (laughs) Cash in. That's all. That's CD. 22 yards. And his second touchdown of the day. That's what the Texas Coast offense is missing. Just target your best guy in the end zone a lot. Anyway, uh, Brad Sham, the Sham God, our buddy from KLRD with the call there. Dak Prescott threw two of his four touchdown passes to C.D. Lamb, uh, who was a menace in this game. Deron Bland had his third pick six. That's pretty crazy. What? And the Cowboys torched the Rams 43-20. to That is the... 11th consecutive win at AT&T Stadium for America's team. Uh, Greg. Wow. It's funny. I, I didn't realize that either. Uh, it's funny, the NFL, because after the Niners smoked Dallas a few weeks ago, the Cowboys were rightfully being flamed as this overly familiar pretender. And maybe they are still. But then they drop a hammer like this, and you see what's happened to, to San Francisco uh, since, and you're just thinking to yourself, like, NFC is freaky right now. It, it is, and they're so talented and you just see it when when they're it's allowed to come out that they are among those teams that have a chance i i know you don't want to you know you're not going to believe them in them mark and i, I don't know i have to well, see it too like you can say this about 14 teams and you're I, right you, they have a chance you're right 
I wouldn't. I would only say it about like five, but they're one of those five because they're so talented. On a day like this, like C.D. Lamb listening to around the NFL on the way to the stadium saying, saying, <laughs> you know, I'm on pace for like 90 catches and 1,300 yards, Dad. Get off my back. I'm going to put up nine for 122 and two in the first freaking half. There you go. I mean, I want, I don't want you to be like a guy that's just like filling the statue. I want you to be AJ, AJ Brown taking games over. And, and that's he, what he did today. He did because it was everything to me. He's a top 10 receiver. There's so many good receivers, but he, cause he can do everything. He can win at the catch point. He can make plays after the catch. He was so good after the catch uh, today. And then he can, you know, improvise like he did on that last touchdown play, just snatching ball, snatching souls. And Dak, has played about eight perfect quarters. I know he had an interception in this game, but it was on a tip pass just at the line of scrimmage. He was near perfect. One of his best games in a long time against the Chargers before the bye came out, made all the right decisions in this game, was hit a few times and still just like made great decisions. And really, if you're a Cowboys fan, you just love to see it. You love to see Brandon Cooks getting involved too. I think what I like about Dallas, and we've seen it, you know, multiple times this season, is that when they win and when it's like the little girl with her umbrella, the rains it pours girl on the salt box, like it's not coming from just one place. It's coming from like all facets of the team. And we saw it in the season opener, but today it's like you get the Duran Bland pick six, you get a punt blocked for a safety on special teams, you get CeeDee Lamb and Dak playing the best versions of what they are. And Mike McCarthy has one of his greatest, you know, offensive coaching performances of the entire season. And that I can believe in. It's just like, you know, we'll see, but it's like, this is encouraging. Um, The only thing I'd say as a human is that like... Human. Well, Sean McVay just like had a baby two days ago and like yeah. we've all had children and we have them now. But like that week, that couple like that, those hours after that happens is a complete mystical uh, fog of war scenario. So it's like having to go deal with wow, this. That's interesting well, I'm just take. saying, You're I think it's like, off the hook. I, if you talk about one thing that could disrupt your life, um, it might be that it's yeah, just but a little I bit. Mean, of a he's fold. got like 20 million in the bank and probably like a full time au pair. I know, but it's if you're and having a your first game. I don't, and it's the mom that's doing handy, all the work. Like, I don't think it was two his... days with your new baby. Wait, you don't I have hand a, that out to your no parent. Just one thing. Just a like, side idea. I have been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Eric, one day you'll be there too. Big Funk, maybe. You guys will both be well, fathers. Equal I hope you will for be. both of you. I because know. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But let's keep it real. And the women that listen to our show, the scant few, they know the truth. The dad's not doing too much around this time. The baby doesn't care about dad. That's a hot time. Uh, the baby cares right. about mom who's keeping him alive, him or her alive. So to yeah. say that the head coach of the Rams I don't know. gets let off the hook. What were you right. at? Were you like at a tavern when your child was born? No, I, mean, I was like, oh, you're right, you're I, was, I was there and up. You're not like doing any hours. You're not doing any work. Time. You're like, you're like Desmond Ritter after I he got, got benched today. On. Just clapping right. on the sidelines. The, gra- don't, don't uh, the grandparents in, come in. Don't it's put a whole thing. world where like, I'm not saying like physically Sean McVay than the, you know, his partner, but it's, it's McVay's not off the hook. I don't, yeah, I don't think McVay had much to do with a couple questionable calls early in this game that went against the Rams one extended a drive for the Cowboys that ended a touch on one ended a drive uh, for the Rams. And he definitely wasn't throwing the ball to nowhere with that pick six where Stafford and cup just weren't on the same page. Also Stafford gets hurt in this. It game, really so. seemed like Stafford just made a mistake on that, on that play. It made no sense on the pick six. And then Stafford on the last drive before halftime hits his thumb hard on oh, a helmet. No. And you're thinking, oh, is he going to have to leave the game? Did he just break a thumb? No, he's going to stay in there. Okay, he stays in there. And then he hits his thumb again on, on the helmet. 
and and that was on a touchdown. You're like, oh wow, okay, the Rams not giving up in this game. Uh, they cut it to 33 to nine before after. Then they come out out of halftime. Okay, Stafford's still playing. He's gonna be fine. They score a touchdown. Wow, it's now you know 33 15. They're 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 rallying. Let's dial up the two point conversion where Matthew Stafford has to catch the pass with this injured thumb, and he catches it because it's not a perfect pass from uh, Skwarnik or no from Tutu Atwell rather, and he then dives for the end zone and braces himself with his thumb. Come on. And then he hurts the same thumb again. And McVay said after the game, he actually believes that's the play he hurt his thumb on. That before that, he doesn't think it was a a big problem and he's going to go undergo an MRI on the thumb. So that is going down as like an all-time, like what was that play call in that moment? Maybe maybe McVay was, if he was more focused, he would have pulled his quarterback out of that. Before that happened, it is a possibility. Uh, I we have a lot of backup quarterback action mm. in this league right now. So it's not a great no. vibe. Major Bones backup. fossil revenge game though, with a big return, a block punt. You want to go cheap Love on that. special teams, Rams? You entered this uh, week thirty second in DVOA in special teams, and their special teams killed them all day today. And I'm mm. going to cycle back real quick because we're going to bring up coordinators, Captain Lou Anarumo. What a oh. job! He was Francisco. fired up too. You he saw was, him, like, and Romo did a nice job system. on the telecast saying. Hey, guys, get ready. This is a head coach uh, in a couple of months, right. and he will be. Uh, but, yeah, Bones, who's had a, he's been an interim head coach in his past. I wonder if he uh, can work his way up the ranks. We all seem to like Bones Fossil. Uh, so, anyway, 43-20, Cowboys roll. Let's hope Matty Stafford is healthy. And last note, you mentioned Cooper Cup and Stafford not on the pa- same page. Cup and Puka Nakua combined to go 7 for 64 in this game. That's basically like a half a production for these guys at other points this season. That's what they did combined. Let's take a break and then welcome in the pipe. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back. Um, And just cycling back to the thing, because, again, we have a lot of male listeners and maybe a lot of men that are new fathers or fathers-to-be. Don't don't get me wrong. You are on call. Like, you need to be there post-baby. And, but you are basically a glorified gopher. Like that's, and, and whatever she tells you to do, you do. And if you have a chance to hold the baby, that's great too. Hmm. But you're not, you're just not a vital, you're not a vital piece of the pie at that point. I thought I did a tremendous job personally. So, you know, he's taking I, this personally, right? I don't, I, I'm sure you were great Ever since I'm there's sure you were very flexible like, you know. and, and there for her, but I'm just saying you're awake a lot, but I don't think that means, um, you know, that John right. McVeigh called a different game. Well, to your point, back when this happened to me, um, you know, our HR department, you know, asleep at the wheel. I was back at work three days later. So <laughs> there's that. There's that aspect of it. I'm not blaming. I'm not right. pointing fingers. But and, but how vital could you be if you're already back at work three days later? No, I became yeah. completely a, a, a complete non-entity. You were a bit player. Yeah. I kept that role since. So. All right. It's time uh, for the Sunday drive presented by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Uh, let's head to the bottle formerly known as Heinz. <laughs> From the 44-yard line, two left, three right, empty backfield for Trevor. 
He drops four-man rush. Looks, fires, right side. Ball's caught. Oh, Travis Etienne, right sideline. 15, 10, 5, into the end zone. Touchdown. A touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence to Travis Etienne. A 56 yards for the score. Mmm, Frank Frangie. Frangie. W-O-K-V with the call. Trevor Lawrence threw for 292 yards and hooked up with Travis Etienne for that 56-yarder late in the third quarter. It was a dagger for the Jags who ran their winning streak uh, to four with a 20-10 win over the Steelers. Yes, in Pittsburgh, we now welcome in the iconic pipe, Nick Shook. Uh, Shooky, a road win in that environment tells me a lot about Doug Peterson's team. How say you? Yeah, I mean, it was a soggy day in Pittsburgh. It's been pretty poor weather here in the Midwest the last day or two. And and usually, especially in that stadium, where the field is notoriously uh, pretty bad at holding up against the elements, uh, it, it was going to be a challenge, and especially for how this team operates offensively and really how the whole first half went for them because they probably should have won this game by three scores, maybe four scores. They had plenty mm. of opportunities. They just didn't finish drives. But Trevor Lawrence had a solid day overall. So... It wasn't until that touchdown pass where it was like, finally, they've broken through. They've, they've you know, put themselves far enough ahead where I feel comfortable that the Steelers are not going to come back and win this game. So yeah, big win for them. Going on the road, getting down there, and uh, continuing their winning streak. It's, you know, the Jags are ascending, baby. So we're doing TNF this week. I'm, I'm on the case with the recap. A little uh, Steelers-Titans before today started. Uh, I thought that might be like Tannehill versus Pickett. Now it might be Trubisky versus Levis. Uh, what, give me the, give me the Mitch Trubisky update in terms of how he looked when he came in for Pickett and, and everything about how Pickett looked with the injury. If any matchup describes where we are as a league right now, it's that, uh, backup <laughs> quarterbacks galore first off, but Trubisky looked like Trubisky. He put together a nice touchdown drive. It was a eight play 75 yard drive that George Pickens did the last 22 yards worth of work. By the way, look up that highlight. He leaps over a defender and then gets that defender to take out the other defender and then just slips that arm off of his leg and mm. walks right into the end zone. Like one of those plays that you just see like a super athlete make, like an alien make. Sure. Super easy for him. It was great. But otherwise, uh, Trubisky was still Trubisky. He threw two picks. One of them mattered a lot because they still had a shot to come back in this game and it effectively ended that. I mean, he's a backup for a reason. We know who he is at this point. There's nothing really different. He'll he'll do some things that impress you, but overall, he's still Mitch Trubisky. They also lost Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, the Steelers. Yep. Um, Travis Etienne, who I think is, you know, at this point, just simply sort of underrated, uh, was a big factor in this game. I, I just saw, like, on, on, on X, um, a lot of hate for Trevor Lawrence early on. Like, just like, hey, he's regressed. He looks like he's being coached what? by Urban Meyer. Well, early on in the game. So I, I don't know where if that was just totally misguided, but like I know there were some issues. Like, would it do you feel like it was just sort of like the elements, the weather, just a bad little stretch, and he played well overall? He looked he played well. Yeah, I thought he looked a lot like he's looked for the last month. And I think that's the big um confusion with Trevor Lawrence. We've discussed this, you know, separately in relation to QB index, is that he hasn't had the spectacular game or produced all the highlights that you expect from him, but Overall, he's been very solid, and he was very accurate today, again, especially considering the elements. It's just they stalled a few times. They couldn't convert third down a few times, and that was that. But I liked most of what I saw from him. All the talents there, there's, that has not changed. Uh, anything else from this game, Shook, uh, in terms of takeaways? Losing making Fitzpatrick hurts. Uh, I don't know the, the details of the severity of that at this point, but that was a direct contributor to why Travis Etienne was able to score that touchdown. Otherwise, um, I mean, hmm. it's a bummer for the Steelers. Watching Kenny Pickett go down really hurts because... 
Last week, it felt like they were taking that next step. Maybe this was where, you know, they won some games and they were a bad team. Maybe they end up winning more games as a good team. I don't know what they are now. But that's a, it's a rib injury. So we'll see how long-term that is. He, he only averaged four yards per attempt on 16 throws, you know, b- b- yeah. before he left. And uh, Steelers fans have been begging for them to bench Peterson and, and bring in Porter Jr. And he starts his first game and they go crazy. And he's the one getting cooked by ETN. I, that's not his fault, though. That's I, not his fault. The, the safety should have had him over the top. He came down, tried to drill down on the third and short play and left it wide open. It's crazy. But I, 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 by I, the way, Nick got to take out the pipe to that take and he just it's fair. brushed it. It's fair. <laughs> They've been begging for these young players to come in. They had a couple young cornerbacks play uh, today and then left tackle. It's like, that's not going to solve it. This is good. I The Steelers were in the, like, they can't keep getting away with this uh, meme yeah. category for me. So <laughs> I didn't want them to get away with another one. This Jaguars team is good. I have higher expectations now than, than I Take heart, Steelers fans. Greg feels good about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. All right, let's move on uh, to an NFC East matchup. I hope you hit the over in Washington. <laughs> Hurts calling for the football. Clock still running. 40, 39. Hurts back. Hurts looking. Goes into the end zone. And it is caught. It is caught. Touchdown, A.J. Brown. I don't know how he put it in. He was near the sideline. What a play. See, this is what I was saying to Connie. I love Colleen uh, for many reasons, including she's a real deal sports fan. Real Philly fan. Yeah, the Phillies didn't get it done. They kind of choked. But you got this Eagles team. And you got the Sixers, too. And you know, the Phillies will be back in April. Things are okay. Especially when Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown are making magic every week. Hurts threw four touchdown passes, including a pair to Brown and a 31-21 win over the Commanders. Shooky, um, are we, as a society, you know, we, we don't allow such black magic uh, uh, in terms of what I'm about to say. But is it crazy for me to throw it out there that A.J. Brown should be in the MVP conversation mm. season's midpoint? Because there is no one uh, this side of, well, maybe Tyreek Hill that's even in his universe right now in terms of production as, as a wide receiver. Um, Lil Wayne once released an EP <laughs> under the title, I am not a human being. Yeah. That is AJ Brown. I am not He's a not human, human being. This He's is two, uh, two recaps in a row with an alien reference by you. So yeah, you, you got uh, Mark's I, heart. I got a little too much uh, Charles Davis in my ear today. That's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> but, Oh, I mean, AJ Brown's incredible. Like six straight games with 125 plus receiving yards. He should absolutely be in the conversation for MVP. Let's take it outside of quarterback. Let's open our minds to the other possibilities of potential galaxies beyond ours, right? Mm-hmm. Let's do that with the MVP as well. Let's let's put some receivers in there. He is the main reason that the Eagles win games, whether it's close or not. Jalen Hurts, of course, has to put the ball on him, which he's doing a great job of. But uh, it's it's really fun to watch, man. He just does a spectacular thing or two every week. He catches every contested pass. He's about as as reliable as death and taxes, but it has a positive connotation. Here's the stat. Uh, he became the first player in NFL history, A.J. Brown, to record 125 or more receiving yards in six consecutive games, breaking a post-merger record held by Megatron. Mm. Th- this Body. is like sneakily one of the best matchups in the NFL. Every time they play, it comes down to the wire. It was the same last year. Earlier this season, the commanders had the best day anyone's had against the Eagles defense. Then they put up 31, including 472 yards. They have a a touchdown lead 
in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then the next two touchdowns, and, and it came in quick succession. So tell me about this fourth quarter that the, the Eagles put up 21 points in a row, including Devontae Smith finally getting off. He gets 99 and a touch. And then Julio Jones. I know it was the only catch he had all day, but it was a tough catch. And it's a game-winning catch. Julio Jones in the year 2023 with a game winner. Wearing number 80, which just doesn't feel right. No, that's not at all. Gross. It's gross. I, I, my reaction to this is it's not safe for work, so I'm going to ble- censor myself. Mm-hmm. But I shouted at the top of my lungs sitting here in my home office. Oh, my God. Julio effing Jones. Yes. I, 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 I had to figure out who 80 was real quick. And then yeah. well, they don't have another receiver of that height that can make that type of play. It was nice to see that if he could actually be something, this might be the best receiving core in football, especially since they have Devonte Smith back now. And they all contributed in this game to varying degrees. Uh, that that turn really came at a crucial point in the game where, you know, it's back and forth. And these two games were so similar, like you pointed out, Greg, that. Earlier in the season, week four, the Commanders tied up against the Eagles at 24 apiece with 801 left in the fourth. 847 left in the fourth today. Mm. The Eagles tied up with the Commanders at 24 apiece. I had to go back and look it up because it was so similar. I've been here before, but that shift was the only time in the entire game where Sam Howell wasn't awesome because he was really good throughout the day. They they were getting pressures like according to how it's registered. But I wasn't seeing it. They only finished with one sack in the day, and he was just dropping all over the field. The only guys he missed were kind of downfield, just shot plays. Otherwise, he calm, cool, collected, moving that offense, making it look easy. And then he ran into a rut. He throws a pass into traffic. Reed Blankenship picks it off. They produce a touchdown off of it, and suddenly his confidence is a little rattled. Now he's missing Terry McLaurin on third and fourth down throws on a drive. They absolutely got to convert on. They turn it over on downs, and it was over from there. They're hmm. down by two touchdowns. They don't have enough to come back. That's what swung the game. It was a really entertaining game. It does now. feel a little bit like Jeff Fisher's old Rams against Pete Carroll's Seahawks, where it's like, why are the commanders to keep? Why do they keep showing up against this team over and over? Um, what I love about the Eagles because it's like we're a little mystified by their offense week to week. Not so much today, obviously. Um, when you've got Brown and Smith going catching all fifteen of their targets and doing what they did, it's like they're finding themselves, but. I look early, playing great right now. Right. Earlier in the year, though, they were able to run the ball with such power and might. And I like the last two or three games, that's not been the case. I'm just looking at they were 2.7 yards per carry. Is that just sort of a grain, a game script scenario? Or is it like something is happening with this incredible offensive I mean, line they, in the run, ground game? They scored 38 and fumbled twice inside the three-yard line of Washington. I think, the, I think defenses are trying to take it away. I really noticed yeah, that in are. the Miami yeah. game. Unbelievable. They, they really they loaded up to stop the run and dare Jalen Hurts to beat them. And then he he keeps beating them. The, the timing of this game, though, for Washington, when they were winning, I thought, ooh, there's another team that's maybe out of the trademark. It's yeah. really interesting because we heard reports that the, the results of this game will impact whether they potentially trade a pass rusher, a.k.a. Chase Young or Montez Sweat, most likely Chase Young. And then I'm like, well, what does this mean? You just played like the best team or one of the best teams in the NFC to an almost a standstill. You're only three and five. Ron Rivera isn't going to be there next year if they don't make a playoffs. And he's the one in theory that's trading these guys. Are they going to make them trade? I, I don't know, but them losing this game, but in this fashion, it, it's confusing to me. It's why you got to push the trade deadline back. <laughs> it feels like it's, um, it, it could be an executive decision above him for the, who is that though? They don't have an executive franchise. above him. Exactly. I guess the owner, and, I guess the yeah. owner. 
is in, yeah, is it, it's a new owner. I mean, that we've, we've we don't know anything about it. Is the owner past. like grinding tape on Montez? Yeah, sweat? but that also know. is maybe a new owner syndrome thing to do. Like David Tepper's yeah, it's done exactly it too. The it's like, is yes. Hey, no matter what, he's like, I want you to go get picks. I'm not giving you a choice. Go trade one of these guys. So it's possible. I hate to think that this, we already have now witnessed the final game of the dynamic pass rushing duo, young and sweaty, but we're going to find out in just a couple of days. Shook hop into your spaceship and zoom off to the gym and get a pump in, bro. I'm not going to get in the spaceship unless Mark loans me the uh, multi-purpose jacket that he's wearing again. Oh, it's back. It's a bit, I mean, it's Levi, a you fit in this. It's in this coat. You can have put on one a arm. Bit, like, wait, that's Nick. Ask a question. What is the jacket a bit? The the frequency in which you wear. We did touch on it now. on the NFL Plus. It's on. Program. It's on the ATN podcast. Yeah. Say, like, everyone my, should follow the us on Instagram. ATN the ATN podcast. I mean, my 40s into my year 50s is has been a bit. So it's just you know part and parcel of all that. So. <laughs> Shook. That's the answer I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, that was some hard-hitting journalism <laughs> from the pipe. All right, buddy. All right, get him out of here. <laughs> um, I'll see you guys. All right, let's head. Uh, thank you to the pipe as always. Let's head to the Meadowlands where things got freaky. Thomas Hennessy will snap. Thomas Morstead will hold. Zerline ready. The snap clean. The placement down. The kick is up. And the kick hooks to the left, but it's gone! Inside the left upright for Zerline. And the Jets win it in overtime. And honestly, I'm not sure how. <laughs> Bob was choosing with the call. And he is right for WEPN. According to... Let's start here. This is... Uh, the New York v New York game ends in a wild way. And I hit up my dad, Keith, dad, you want to chime in on this game? And he said, nah, Danny, I, I don't even know what I would say. I don't, I don't know what to say. And I was like, all right, there. that's fair. Um, according, and this is why my dad was saying that according to ESPN analytics, the giants had a 99.9% win probability with less than 119 to go in the fourth quarter. But that's when things got miraculous in the Meadowlands. Graham Gano shanked a chippy on fourth and one. The Giants commit an ill-timed offsides penalty, Kayvon, which was otherwise a great game from Kayvon. He was very nearly the hero. Then Zach Wilson gets a completion and a clock stoppage, a miracle clock stoppage with one second to play, which sets up the tying field goal. And then in overtime, you heard that Greg the Leg Zerline completed the comeback um, after a PI call set, uh, set the Jets up in the red zone. 13 10. Jet Life Stadium. <laughs> from Jet Life Stadium, 13 to 10, third straight victory for the Jets. And and really, Mark, I was thinking about uh, what you said. Quite frankly, you said it back in week one mm. when I was uh, mourning um, what happened in that, that fateful Monday night with uh, Aaron Rodgers that, you know, maybe this is going to be a, a weird, strange trip uh, and a, a positive one for the Jets. And then you mentioned it again on Thursday that this team just seems there's something around this team that they they find a way and i i cannot stress enough how poorly the jets played in this game and i understand that they're the giants and they're a bad team and bad teams find a way but that is now three wins for the jets that really you could argue they had no business uh winning and yet they have and that's why they're four and three and very much in the thick of things in the afc playoff race i think a magical carpet ride in the nfl and we've witnessed a few of them um 
don't typically look like it in, in box scores. They don't look like it from drive to drive. Um, it's a game that is so fascinating uh, from a couple different angles. And it's like, this is why I think the Jets are just, they get caught in these strange little worlds. Um, the teams were 0 for 18 and third downs in the first half. They combined for 24 points. Um, it, like the record. 24 believe, punts? 24 punts. The, the record is 27 more back in points. 1998. Uh, much more than points. Um, they somehow went into overtime with a team in the New York Giants that had uh, Tommy DeVito um, helping hey, Tommy DeVito. to negative nine total passing yards. And, you, and the Giants somehow snuck into overtime. Um, so it's like the Jets are clearly doing some things very well. I just think they're a fascinating story. And if you can ever get to the doorway well, where you get Aaron Rodgers back and he's thrown on the that, field again. Yeah. Uh, and it's the defense that's that's playing well and, yes. and catching a break with Tyrod Taylor going out. One of many injuries in this game. Um, but Greg, it was uh, it, it was it was not the offense on any capacity. Zach Wilson made two big throws at the end of regulation and then drew the PI with a deep ball that uh, the Jets receiver was mugged. Uh, but this very closely was a game and a referendum again on Wilson and how poor both Wilson, the QB is and terrible. The play calling with Nate Hackett was, and that all gets pushed aside for another week. It, the NFL is crazy like that because the denouement of this game, I thought was oh, going to be what is that? our guy. Denouement? I don't know. I don't know. Our guy Kayvon. Yeah. Sacking Zach Wilson, his third sack of the game on a play on a fourth down play where you got to get rid of the ball. And, Wilson's showing absolutely no awareness and taking that sack when he tries to peel back and the Giants taking over up three in field goal range with with not only a couple timeouts for the Jets. And it looks over. That feels like that's the end of the game is Wilson blowing that. But the sequence is really crazy to go back and look at because the, the Giants were rushing the ball well. Saquon ends up with 128 on the ground. The drive before that, they moved the ball quite well, even though DeVito, again, as Mark mentioned, had negative passing yards at the time. They just moved the ball down the field uh, before, I think, another Gano miss, right? Didn't yes, he, he missed two. He missed two at the yeah. end of that game. And Saquon, if you watch it on first down, actually, he has a big hole. And you know they told him just don't, no matter what you do, don't fumble it. And he kind of didn't, he almost like just was holding the ball like to make sure he doesn't fumble and went down maybe a little easier that, than he would have otherwise. And they get they end up getting one yard away on third and one and Gano misses it. And even at that point, it's basically over except for that offsides call. I mean, Wilson has a nice throw to to get to the a, a little pass midfield but it wouldn't have mattered. They didn't have any timeouts. It was in the middle of they the They would field. have clocked it and then thrown a Hail Mary. All they, that's yeah. why the Giants were allowing that to happen. But it right. happened to be an offside on Kayvon. He was getting greedy, and it wound up being a free play. And then that sets him up around the 45 for Wilson to make his best and play of the game. And for their kicker not to blow it, give, yeah. give Greg Delight some credit. I thought you were going there our, on our chat client where we figure out the rundown of games uh, after Kayvon has the third sack. I go on to the chat client and I say, all right, here's the highlight. It's Kayvon's third sack. Uh, never lock the Jets, uh, which was my uh, message to both Mark Sessler and Nick Wessling, even though he's not on that chat. Well, myself and a full zoo. An entire zoo uh, had locked the Jets in this game. Um, so uh, from a Kayvon perspective, like this was his coming out party. And I don't want to gloss over that because he has really come on in recent weeks, despite the personal history our podcast has. You cannot say that he is not making the leap in year two and he had won the game and he was going to be the star of the game. So for it to be him that jumped off sides, 
Uh, that was remarkable. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around it. That does feel like there's a cosmic energy around this team, but I don't want you, anyone to think that I'm coming out of this game thinking uh, they don't have a major problem because the quarterback is still not a mm. player. And yes, the trade deadline's coming up. And I just said, what's the idea of bringing in a veteran in the middle of the season? Uh, Say, so here's a playbook. Uh, we got a game on Sunday, but with like Ryan Tannehill, maybe out of the mix, like, and we're trying to get the ball, get the torch to Aaron Rodgers. Is there something there other than Zach Wilson? But I don't think that's the way this team thinks. I think they're going to ride with Wilson. Here is Brian Dable. Um, talking about the decision because it was uh, one that was hotly contested. It was fourth and one, less than a yard, really, after the Saquon play Greg's talking about. And they could have went for, and they were running the ball well at that point. They were wearing down the Jets' defensive line. They could have just run the ball, either get the first down and kneel it out, or uh, you don't get the first down and the Jets have uh, like 25 seconds and no timeouts or whatever it was uh, to go the length of the field. Here's what Dable said. Kick a field goal there. Then they have 24 seconds with no timeouts and they need a touchdown. So counted that. I'm making a field goal. Then they'd have 24 seconds with no timeouts to have to drive at the length. And our defense was was playing really good all all game. So that's why I made the decision. Mm. Uh, it's you know the only thing I'll say is that Gano, who's a great kicker, having a bad year now. There was a report during the game that he's got a bad knee, that he's kicking through pain, uh, that he might need surgery in the off season, and it was a, a miserably rainy day at the Meadowlands uh, for to send them out there was maybe an unnecessary risk and they got burned. Daniel Jones uh, missed this game, obviously. And there were reports before the game that he, he could be out another couple of weeks. Tyrod Taylor had a rib injury and left for that Tommy DeVito uh, character came in. And then they also lost Darren Waller to an injury almost right away, I think to a hamstring. So this is a team, if you're a Giants fan, losing to the Jets in this manner, it's about as dark as it gets. You have yeah. to feel a little cursed of what happened. It's today. and it's it's unfortunate because I'm looking at a team that, in their last couple of games, has become a thunderstorm on defense. They've given up 14 points to the Bills, seven to a Commanders team that challenged the Eagles today, and 13 today. And it's like that side of the ball, the Wink Martindale experience, is awakening, and the offense is vanishing before football, our eyes. Football's so crazy because they the would pressure. be they would be celebrating the hell out of a truly incredible team win if they got that yard or they got that field goal. Like it would have been, I, I don't know what the, the staying power of DeVito would be, but it would be a hell of a win to pull this off and to beat your crosstown rivals on a day you lose your, you're on your third quarterback and you lose Waller and all About that. Five and then it doesn't things, happen. But Greg, five things had to happen right. yeah. in a row for it, the Jets to happen. And they had a game against Cleveland last year where like 25 things need to happen. Yep. Like this is a magical team, Greg. So yep. to all rules get thrown. I out. think you're right. And that's why you did a nice job. Good job. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, I don't we're know. like 58 minutes. Never do it again. I'm thinking, telling you. That was not, not a good job. But yeah, you know. <laughs> don't do it. I, I'm, I'm, I stress to you. We got to move on. But can I just say, can you fly up that Saquon tweet I saw? Uh, this is crazy. Zach Rosenblatt, who does a great job for the athletic cover in the Jets. Saquon Barkley's dad was wearing full-on Jets gear as they walked out of the stadium together. Barkley grew up a Jets fan. What? That's like if you were on the Giants, though. What? <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> what are you doing? Why okay. is he? I mean. You got to switch loyalties. It's your son. <laughs> you got to switch loyalties. <laughs> that's, just, that's a day where you just dress neutral. 
No, you you support <laughs> your damn son. Maybe he yeah. maybe he didn't want to get uh, harassed afterward. No, wait, that doesn't. No, just trust neutral. It's a giant home. One day, or that have wild. a hat and take the hat I, off. That is super wild. I've met I, some Jets fans. That's that almost I, the craziest thing that came out of the game. Like when I saw that tweet, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's got to be got to be top one or two <laughs> in a weird game. Um. All right. What that again? Keith didn't even know what to say, and neither do I. Quite frankly, I tried my best. Let's move on. Uh, Mark, let's let's head to Seattle where the Browns nearly had one and let it get away. From the shotgun, lock it wide to the far side. JSN, he gets the throw near side. Turns out field. Got a blocker. Touchdown, Seahawks. No flags. DK Metcalf with a great block. Jackson Smith and Jimba turns up field and takes it in the front corner of the end zone. What a drive by the Hawks. Thank you, Julian Love, for the pick. And Seattle goes back on top, 23-20. to 20. Steve Reibel with the call. Seahawks radio. Geno Smith threw a nine-yard touchdown pass to Jackson Smith and Jigbo. 38 seconds to play. Uh, signature moment there in the rookie season of that wide receiver. And the Seahawks rally for a 24-20 win over the Browns. Uh, same Seahawks team that blew a 14-point lead in this game and then fell behind and then found a way mark the Gino coaster fully operational once again saving its best thrills for the end of the ride what a strange game um i i want to point to one moment where i think that cleveland's coaching decisions fell apart uh and i would say that kevin stefanski if you look at the experience with jacoby Brissett a year ago and what he's done with pj walker who is a roller coaster himself um He's a pretty great, like, I think we pointed to Sean Payton in New Orleans as someone that could coach up like a backup quarterback to do the best version of what mm-hmm. he can do. Um, and I'd say that the best version of P.J. Walker is still going to be mistake-ridden. Um, they're lucky that in the end of the, going into the two-minute warning, they had a chance to win this game. This was a game where P.J. Walker um, had an ugly strip sack, Jordan Brooks on the Seahawks, um, a really rough interception. They were down 17-7 at one point, um, but they ran the ball well. Um, PJ Walker also will turn around and make a couple throws a game where he like looked like he had complete mind meld with Amari Cooper, um, who plays better than expected week after week. But that said, just outside the two minute warning, it was three and third and three from the Cleveland 41. And I'm just asking, you got seconds to go until the two minute warning and they throw the ball and it turns into PJ Walker's killer interception. Mm. It's it kind of uh, to happen in Seattle. It reminds me of these moments where it's like if you're a Seahawks fan, you've always thought about like, run the ball in this key situation in our franchise history versus throw it. I, 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 they were running the ball really well. I don't know why you throw the ball there and cause that mistake. It's the one moment in this game where I've thought everything could have been different. They could have snuck out of here with a win. They had a couple incredible performances today. I'm telling you right now, Miles Garrett, week after week, is doing insane stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I watched this, and I, I, it's a game that got away from because you got a, a Geno Smith performance that was riddled with issues um, outside. Of, he'll, he'll, he will make big throws, but he had a couple bad interceptions and Cleveland just seemed like a team that was like, we're going to do this somehow, even though it shouldn't be happening with the quarterback that we have in this game. Um, and it didn't, and I think it boiled down to that decision. That was, was the just, one play it's call. It's also just kind of like luck. It's like third and three and it's a tip pass right at the line of scrimmage. It wasn't like a bad throw. I don't, I think off they, the helmet of a blitzing. Right. Yep. Adams. I mean, I, I just say, I'm more just saying, don't let, What's the bet higher percentage situation with the quarterback you're dealing with? That that's fair. And they ran the ball 
pretty well today. They've been up and down since Chubb left, more down than up. But, but today was decent. But they probably got caught in a situation where it, they they snap it with just over two minutes. So they're like, we're going to get to the two anyway. The clock is going to stop anyways. Right. Let's. They're going to be expecting a run. Let's throw it. But that might not be counting on that might not be leaning into the best part of your team if you trust your offensive line and your running game like that that is the spot for it and and Gino's up and down and he's even at the end where they they threw the he threw the game winning touchdown he put one in harm's way on first down he, he keeps doing that in the red zone he just always is going for it and there were some major downs here but they also put up 17 points in the first quarter against the best defense in the league so that's part of it too it's like the whole game counts and this I really tend to think this is Gino. It's like they can look incredible and then they can make a, a lot of mistakes, but it hasn't been easy to put quick points up on the Browns for the most part this year. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, I, there was a moment. There's like, I saw a lot of annoyed coaches today and I think that Pete Carroll <laughs> had a point. Um, there was a, Pete Carroll was furious and you don't know. Sometimes when you see them reacting, it's like something that happened like plays ago or a quarter ago. And we'll talk about Bell, Bill Belichick later, but um. There was a play where Miles Garrett was like clearly just offsides, and it's like I think that's what Carroll was, was on a Geno interception yeah. right before halftime, so they kind of gave away he had three point. points. Just, I just I, I it know it's not miss. to rip on the officiating that gets um, tired, except it just seems like week to week there are these things, and Cleveland was attached to it last week, and they're attached to it this week. Just wild stuff occurring. The Browns get the the Cardinals next week, and we'll we'll find out if Deshaun Watson will be the quarterback. Uh, you know, the PJ Walker thing is. It, it has its limits. There was, a, there was a report that he would be back within two weeks. So maybe not next week, but the week after for Watson. And the Seahawks, uh, with that 49ers loss, are in first place here at 5-2. and two. How about that? I don't wow. think anybody was predicting that when the Niners were world beaters three weeks ago. Um, all right, let's uh, move. Greg. What? Oh. See, you're just, this is, it's all so easy for you right now. Well, it's not easy. This, just like this, fall into locks. This is what I was saying. It was like, yeah. I mean, on a day where the Jets got West, <laughs> the West Zoo and Mark one, let's calm down here about getting a lucky one. But this was a lucky one. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I of course, I got railroaded by um, the, the Bengals today, but that was against one of my tenants, which is never go against Joe Burrow. And I will not make that mistake mm. again. Uh, and I can't complain about anything after what happened at the Meadowlands today. No. So let's move on. Uh, and head to the desert where the Cardinals uh, lose every week, and now they get the Ravens. Ravens coming up on the 10th play of this drive. Jackson with the ball, pumps once, slings it to the end zone. Touchdown, Mark Andrews. A homecoming six for the Ravens tight end. Everybody talks about Kelsey, and rightfully so, but Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in the National Football League, and he doesn't get enough love. Okay. It's a fair take. Sure. I mean, but it's kind of like Very good. Tyler Lockett. If every single person says he's the most underrated wide receiver in the league, like at some point he's not underrated. All right. They say that about Andrews all the time. Yeah, but he's counterpoint. Everyone knows he's, he's great. He's speaking to a home Ravens crowd. Oh, but like, just, you know. Counterpoint, he's properly rated. Right. That's what I mean. He's, everyone everyone knows, knows he's a good player and a right. great red zone threat. He's just not at that top, top level. Right. Like we all know. Ravens Radio Network. It wasn't easy. It wasn't always pretty, but the Ravens took care of business on Sunday. Gus Edwards ran for two of his three touchdowns after INTs by the Baltimore D, and the Ravens 
hung on to beat the Cards 31-24. Uh, Baltimore now 6-2. and two. A little bit of a cushion atop the AFC North. Greg, only 268 yards uh, for the topsy-turvy Baltimore offense, but that defense, they came to play. Yeah, the defense is the difference, I think, with, with this team because the, the offense was outstanding last week, but I think it counts a little too much on Lamar Jackson just making great plays. And this is a game where you watch it. These two teams, like if you didn't know it was the Ravens and the Cardinals, they look like two pretty even teams. The difference being one had a quarterback in Josh Dobbs who threw just a terrible interception right before halftime. It was 7-7 at that point, and it set up the Ravens for a, a short field, and they got ahead 14-7. And then he threw another really just poor decision. The first one was just a bad throw. He was misfiring early, and the second one was a bad decision. That set up the Ravens for a touchdown. They were up 24-7. The final score is 31-24. The Raven, the Cardinals had seven points with seven minutes left in this game. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Well, I do kind of know how it happened. They, they scored a lot late. Uh, and Josh Dobbs was like making great plays late. And they did get an onside kick that, that put three more points up on the board at the, at the very end. But that, that was it. Uh, Dobbs, you know, we've said it. It's, it's a diminishing returns type of uh, season for him. But we're going to get one more week. I think that was the most newsworthy thing to come from this game was afterwards. Jonathan Gannon said Josh Dobbs will be starting next week, which is a little bit of a surprise because Kyler Murray is practicing fully, and the broadcast team that was covering this game said they had a feeling, and there's been some reporting that Kyler Murray would be starting this week, but I think it's mentally him getting comfortable and getting mm. up to speed with this offense is, is the reason why they're, they're probably going to wait one more week. Well, and you're one in seven, so right. what are we rushing someone Fair. back into the Fair. lineup for? There's a deadline where he needs to be active on the 53, but that doesn't mean he needs to play, so they'll check that box and then make the right decision, hopefully. Right. And I felt like I felt like I was watching the end of the Dobbs era, but it didn't happen. He actually he, I mean, that fourth quarter, he made a lot of pretty special plays. But before that, it was just like the, the Ravens coming off a high felt like they were just like, let's try to let's try to win with the guys that no one ever talks about. Michael Pierce, Jason Zumwalt, our friend, our uh, sent us a tweet saying he looked like peak Vince Wolfer. It's true. You don't see a nose tackle dominate a game like Michael Pierce uh, did. And then Geno Stone. We're going to have a Geno off next week. Uh-oh. Ravens, Seahawks. Geno Stone, their uh, backup safety, leads the NFL in interceptions. How about that? <laughs> How about this stat? Uh, his five picks through eight games tied with Hall of Famer Ed Reed for the most by a Ravens player in the first eight games of a season. What? Team history. What? What? <laughs> Geno what? Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Geno Coaster. It's crazy. And this passing attack, they have one good week and you think they've made some progress and then like, Man, anytime they throw to Beckham, it's a bit of a disaster. He had an injury, got hit hard in the in the midsection, four targets, no catches, not on the right same page. Like Bateman made one really good catch, but Zay Flowers had 19 yards and set seven targets. Just like, okay, let let's move it forward. Gus Edwards is a nice underrated back. Let's move forward. But like I, I don't trust their passing attack. Yeah, I think that much. everyone you just mentioned, because this version of Odell Beckham and, and Bateman and Flowers has been consistent, but it's like these guys are a week to week proposition. Yeah. So we'll see. But they, they can win in lots of ways. They can run the ball. They can win with defense. I too. saw it bubble up in a couple places that this could be the Odell breakout catch, and then he has his first Wasn't game. that what we were saying in London? It's his, Well, they were saying it. And, uh, the people of England are very into Odell, so yeah. there was a lot of buzz around him being in town. But this is the first, uh, the second time in his 102-game career that he did not have a catch. I, what did he get, $15 million? One of the well, it's insane to think sometime. that what did DeAndre Hopkins get? It's like I, I, I don't considerably yeah, less. We've paid the wrong person here, and we being Baltimore, that's on you. I did not pay a dime. No.
Cardinals, by the way, uh, would have the uh, number one pick if the draft uh, started. So maybe that's why it's like, oh, yeah, take another week, Kyler. Take some ah, take another one. Get mentally comfortable. Oh, here's a new video game system. Here's the PS5. There's a new Grand Theft Auto coming out. <laughs> uh, work your way around it. Yes. Delight yourself. We'll take the iPad. Here's Grand Theft Auto 7. Yep. Rip that it's little a, contract. It's a prototype. Come out of the contract. But learn Liberty City. Fall in love. Fall in love with the landscape. Luxuriate. Luxuriate in the urban uh, warfare of it all. Serious organization, otherwise. Speaking of uh, the voice of God, Jason Zumwalt, um, when I lived with him, we lived together in Hollywood back in the day in the late aughts. And uh, Jason voiced one of the most prominent characters in Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Um, he was the, he was like the, oh, man, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He's going to kill me. Like a bad guy or a good guy? No, he was like the, the protagonist, like uh, near do well buddy. Yeah. And uh, Jason, like moderate, like celebrity gained off that uh, because his voice was, that game was so tremendously popular. Uh, that in the gaming circles, people knew it was connected. Well, to was, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I, that had to have been Roman Bellic, right? That Roman Bellic. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, yeah, I, I could say multiple Very listeners good. I've <laughs> seen tweet about that. You looked that up. But of, that's course. Okay. <laughs> of course. Of course. But also Zumwalt tweeting, you know, deeper scouting reports. You know, he's our Don Pardo on some level. We don't know if Don Pardo could have succeeded on right. any of those shows that he was on as their MCs. Zumwalt just slips right in. Put it this way. Cameo, which I understand is falling on hard times, but... If Cameo existed in 2008, yes. uh, Jay could have just done Roman's voice and paid the <laughs> rent for the house in perpetuity in, in Hollywood. Well, that raises questions as to why he, he didn't do that. Financially dumb move. It didn't exist. That's why. Well, it, if it could have created it. All right, let's move on uh, to Nashville where the Titans got a, a, a nice breath, uh, like a burst of fresh air through the door. All right, second and 11. Play fake, Levis rolling to the right, looking, looking, firing deep downfield, going for Westbrook, Akina in the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! Will Levis on his back gets to watch as he has just thrown his fourth touchdown pass of his NFL debut. Get right out of the city. That dude has got an arm. Whoa! What a big time throw. <laughs> it was kind of a Herberty throw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going one way, throwing across the hashes, right on the money to Westbrook. Aquino. I mean, whoa, that was an eye opener. Mike Keith, great call. WGFX. Welcome to the big show. Will Levis, the rookie quarterback, made a grand entrance to the NFL on Sunday, tossing four touchdown passes and a 28-23 win over the Falcons. Here's a nice nug. Levis joins Fran Tarkenton and Marcus Mariota as the only other QBs in NFL history to throw four touchdown passes in their debut. Greggy, uh, Levis mania has arrived to save the Titans some irrelevance. Am I right? I think you're right. I think this was one of the games today that made me look at a team differently. It certainly makes me look at Thursday night football differently. How about the Tuesday trade deadline, Greggy? Right. Maybe Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> who looked close to ish to play in this game um, isn't going to be taking this job back. I don't, I don't think he, possibly, why would he, I don't think they possibly can. I mean, he even started the game 
mixing in a little Malik Willis. And every time Willis came in, the poor crowd uh, booed poor Malik Willis. Not that he did anything. Which Levis addressed after the game saying he was disappointed yeah. by the crowd, which was nice. I like that as a yeah. leadership First move. First start, and he's already telling the crowd yeah. what to do. I like well, well, when you throw four touchdowns, you could do it a was, lot. It was pretty rough because they bring in Willis, and to no fault of Willis, the first snap to Willis like goes over his head for a fumble. <laughs> and then so it was like everyone was, was very Tough down at it. But wow, Willis, I mean, Will Levis, who looked awful in the preseason, had some great schemed up deep throws. And he had some throws that weren't schemed up, and he just threw it deep anyway. He put on those Houston Oilers throwbacks, very controversial. And he said, I'm going to put the soul of Warren Moon in my body, and it doesn't matter if the play calls for a seven-yard throw. I'm throwing it 60 yards down the field. The best throw he had maybe the entire game, actually, was broken up at the last second to Traylon Burks. Another one, deep one he had down that Burks couldn't get his hands on. He could have had six plays over 30 yards in this game. Three of these touchdowns, Dan. Yes. Rank among the longest air yard touchdowns of, of the oh, eight hell longest yeah. air yards touchdown of the entire season. And he did it in his first game. I mean, he throws those rainmakers. He is like the Russell Wilson sexy deep ball. I mean, there is no business. Ryan Tannehill has had a great career. And if he gets moved in a trade, uh, we'll be on the airwaves talking about it. You could trust me on that. Um, uh, but at this stage of his career, what he's giving them versus what the upside of just developing and letting Levis play, it just, it makes too much sense that he stays in the lineup. I mean, a guy that can turn DeAndre Hopkins into a star again, catching three touchdown passes in this game. And uh, yeah, I, this is a game that I, I can't wait to watch uh, from the Levis side, from the Atlanta side of things. Uh, Desmond Ritter has been a problem for that team all season, uh, there's been a lot of outside the building cries to get t- Taylor Heineke into the into the game and into the lineup to give them a little bit of consistency and a spark. And it finally happens in this game. And he did put up 20 points in the second half as the quarterback uh, after the game. And Arthur Smith, who I've been getting on all year, I have not thought he's done a great job this year in a lot of ways, um, uh, talked about. Uh, the reason for Ritter coming out of the game, and it just led to more questions around a very confusing team. Every week, it's something new with this team. I mean, those are obvious questions you got to ask. You know, we just finished this game. Obviously, we had a lot of confidence in Des. We didn't take him out for performance issues, but that's why Taylor's here to be able to come in as a backup and give us a shot to win. That, so you didn't take the quarterback out, Ritter, for performance issues. Um, then what did he, Greg? What did he come out for then? Like, why? Why can't this guy just be straight? with us know. like why is he so cagey it's because strange. it does not it does not it's not a good look no they tested him for a concussion and i could tell everyone who wasn't watching this game which is you know 95 percent of america understandably is like oh well let's see like when when ritter was cleared like let's see what happens and, and no they announced that he was cleared but he must have taken the test going into halftime or at halftime because he came out for the second half wearing a baseball hat and no backup quarterback has ever clapped more and high-fived his teammates and showed he's a good teammate and good leader and, and all that stuff more than Desmond Ritter did in this game. So there was no consideration to bringing Ritter back in. Smith said that they were just being careful. I, I don't know, but they had tested him for a concussion. I never saw him get hit in the head anyways, but I, they did test him apparently for a concussion. Sacked five times in the first half. Right, and so he's top five. The ultimate reason why he got benched was he was taking sacks. He shouldn't take. He threw 
Uh, he's, he's top five in the league in interceptions, and he had another fumble in this game. So he's top five in the league in sacks taken, interceptions, and fumbles. I mean, his calling card was, at least I won't make mistakes, like right. uh, up until a month ago. Uh, I mean, I'd say, like, does Taylor Heineke, with what you saw, compel Arthur Smith to maybe yes. make a change? We got great. Heine- we got the good Heineke. He, he played really but well. You guys are talking as logical right. followers of the sport. I think Arthur Smith, one of the problems with him is he's stubborn and hardheaded and almost rejects any kind of a hypothesis around his team. Yeah. So like seems to be. this idea that you should put in Heineke now. Yes, it makes sense. But he can't even say in the postgame presser that Ritter didn't play well and had to be replaced as a result. Right. So I don't know what he's going to do. I, I don't either. And maybe he's trying to like leave himself an out of he's not sure in the moment what he's going to do next week. They uh, Heineke came in and it was. Uh, at halftime, 14 to three Titans. Heineke came in and he didn't really do anything. It was all the running game on the first possession, but they scored their first five of six possessions. If, or no, four out of their first five possessions, including two touchdowns. So he put up 20 points in his first five possessions and they would have come back and had a Heineke comeback victory if Levis didn't just keep answering by dropping bombs and, and Levis did a nice job. He was getting to a second read, by the way, in a way that like Desmond Ritter doesn't. Exciting. And so that was why early on I was like, okay, there's one quarterback here who never gets to his second read and then another who actually is in his first game. So Heineke, I would if, go with him. If Arthur Smith does not start Taylor Heineke next week against Owen, oh, and it's good to be in the Falcons because uh, your schedule is beautiful. They get the Vikings next week without a quarterback. He should have his wow. head checked. Let's see. All right, let's take a break. And then we'll uh, finish the games. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we are back. Let's check in on the AFC East where the Dolphins uh, hosted the Patriots. Play action fake. Over the middle. Touchdown, Miami. It's Waddle. He walked into the end zone. (laughs) Go motion. Go look it out at Tyreek Hill. Come back to Waddle in the middle of the field. Wide open. Broken coverage. Nobody's around him. How's that for a third and short? What is call? that? What is that song they play? Uh, Miami, it's a cowboy show. No, it's driving me crazy. It like takes me out of the moment. It doesn't feel very like South Beachish. No, or football listen, or anything. I'm no fan of the man, but just like put on some Pitbull and call it a day. <laughs> Something upbeat, more fitting. What are we doing well, with this like hokey pokey? Let's music? uh. How about we go to the minority ownership here and go with a little turn the beat around, Gloria. Let's Estefan. get a little Miami sound machine. Greggy's right. I assume they would play that during the game at some point. <laughs> Come on, baby. What's your da 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 da? All right. Um, sorry. For our, our younger listeners, Gloria Estefan was a recording artist. <laughs> 20 years younger. Is this, this what song? they're playing? What? Oh, it's traditional. Oh, it's I mean, it, it could use an update. It stops us in our tracks, just like, just like. Uh, it just ended our game. whole show. 
What a disgrace. <laughs> stop it, and you please. know it, Dolphins stop it, fans. Stop it, Eric, please. And the Dolphins fans are going to get mad and be like, no, it's tradition. If the, if the Jets had a song like that, you'd love it. No, I'd say change it. <laughs> okay, might be true. Put on some uh, Billy Joel or something. Let's try to get the show back on track. All right. The Dolphins do take care of business, though. 31-17 over the Patriots. So after they were stymied, for the most part, by Belichick and company, the first matchup at Foxborough, uh, the Dolphins take care of business. Uh, Tua, unbelievable again. He's 6-0 and against Belichick. He threw for 324 <laughs> and three touchdowns uh, in the game. Greg. I... Not surprised by this, you know, as a, as a company man, I'm glad that the Dolphins, you know, got to Germany with a win. We, you know, that we got a big company game here in Germany next week. Dolphins, right. Chiefs. You don't have to talk like no. that. I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> JC Jackson returns to the Patriots to uh, pretend that he, he has to try to, you know, guard Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill like he did Tough. earlier in the season. Well, and he had a tough penalty in the end zone. That is why you saw, I don't know if you watched this, but Bill Belichick was going absolutely berserk for the concept that Belichick's like eased up and he's chilling and he doesn't care about the record. Like I have not seen him where this worked up all year. I mean, he was going off like, was there a concept that Bill Belichick didn't care? Well, no, I don't, I don't think anyone would believe that, but just that he's maybe, you know, as an older person, he's, you know, right. little less rough around the edges. He was going nuts. Um, it was an, it was an, it was a bad call. Um, it led to a Dolphins touchdown. But it's like the Patriots on offense are obviously just living on the edge. Um, they were in this game, and it kind of looked a little bit like it could re- end up the, the way the first one did. There was a Dolphins interception and a Dolphins fumble that allowed the Patriots to score 10 points basically on short fields. And that's what allowed them to hang around. Um, then the injuries started to happen. New England, who already had essentially in this game no one producing anything through the air, lost Kendrick Bourne to a knee injury that looked pretty bad. We'll see what happens there. Devontae Parker went out with a head injury. Um, Jawan Bentley went out, their linebacker. They just started to lose guys. And to your point, saying that the Dolphins just took care of business, there's no way to stop what they have going through the air if you're starting to lose people. And, and Waddle went 7 for 121 with a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, 8 for 112. It was just, it kind of looked like the video game version of what we see from the Dolphins week after week. They're not running the ball the same way they were before, but there's this new element that I think Vic Fangio um, will be smiling about because Jalen Ramsey returned and had an incredible interception and return. And like, I, you know, I know he looked a little bit less like Jalen Ramsey with his his final months with the Rams. Um, I kind of wonder if it helps Vic Fangio do what he wants to do a little bit more with his defense. He looked great today. He, he, he played every snap. Right, he played every snap. We'll see. He allows- I just mean they didn't have any cornerbacks. Right. And you're adding Jalen He wasn't Ram- a, right. a total difference maker in the end of his Rams. He run. wasn't. But-, but today, he maybe it's, maybe it's just fit or, or what's going on. But, like, Could the be. interception, forced a fumble, played every snap, allowed zero yards. And it's like, this is, this is nice for Miami. It's sure. a nice development for a team that's right in the mix. You, but yeah, I'm saying that because I would pick cornerback as maybe the entire team's biggest weakness so far this season. So you're adding Jalen sure. Ramsey right where you need it. And yeah. I think it's nice to see a, a big game from Waddle. He's had a, a sneaky, quiet year so far. Uh, and uh, they're, they're tough to deal with when both of them are cooking. Anything else on this one? No, I just see like, you know, with Christian Gonzalez, who was, you know, you had him last time. They're missing guys. And it's like this team already just is talent poor. And I, I don't see a way out for New England. Um, even where I think Miami played like a C plus version of who they can be. It's a comeback to earth game for them too. And trade deadline, you know, Josh Uche has been mentioned as a, as a guy who could get 
dealt. He's banged up right now. I mean, they they are an incredibly injured team on top of being talent poor. Listen, I'm I'm not uh, the biggest fan of Flow Rida, but if mm-hmm. you want to do like he's from Miami, that would fit the right round yep. uh, song. DJ Collins from Miami. Mm. Um, are you assuming that the Trick only, Daddy? They're not Miami the only native. song they played during the entire. It's, it's not the first song? time that I clocked that because oh, we've been covering a lot of touchdowns on the show for yeah. the Dolphins because yeah. they've been remarkably productive. Um, but the, it's they have it's a problem. I mean, you have, Miami. Hul- you have Julio Iglesias and Enrique Iglesias, either Iglesias. Okay. I would even take I will be your hero, baby. It's before the hokey those, pokey. Yeah, it's an insult to those artists. Disgrace. Pretty Ricky is from Miami. Don't even know who that is. Ricky Martin. No, well, he's not from Miami. Shout out, give give Dolphins a look, right? You know, everyone gets on them. They, they don't win, they don't beat the, the bad teams. You know what they don't do? They don't ever lose the games that they're supposed to win. They win them all, and they win them all convincingly. There's almost no teams in the NFL like that. And they are in first place in the AFC East by a game on the Buffalo Bills. So everything is going to plan so far. Let's head to Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Colts are looking to take out the Saints. Same alignment. Taysom at quarterback. There's Colin Saunders. Taysom keeps it. Cuts oh. it back. Taysom Hill takes it in for the touchdown. His second score following Colin Saunders, Cesar Ruiz, and the Saints get a huge one-yard touchdown. Up 14, looking at 15. Saints radio with the call. Taysom Hill, you know, every season, he pops up here and there and is like, oh, here's a big game for Taysom Hill. He... He rushed for 63 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, He's just involved. He had a 14-yard catch in this game. Uh, Derek Carr threw for two touchdowns and over 300 yards again. And, hey, look at this. The Saints, a team that we try to figure out around these parts, Mm -hmm. win again, 38-27. to So, you know, they very nearly uh, took one in primetime, a painful loss on an end zone drop late in that game. They bounce back and put up 38 points against the Colts, and, and they're back to 500 in a winnable division. I, w- I went and looked through the numbers. This was the best offensive performance of the Dennis Allen era. This, this was the first time we were like, oh, yeah, they do have all these talented players. And it does, doesn't start with Taysom Hill. But I got to say, watching Taysom Hill this year, he's 33 years old. Sneaky old. I, I think he's better than ever. And this is the first time in, in my life, at least. I know our, our great friend Chris Wesley would always be asking for more Taysom Hill. But all season, I've been saying, I need some more Taysom Hill. He's one of the best players on this team. And you, you mentioned you had 63 yards on the ground. That included a 20-yard touchdown run. That was like a beautiful run. As good, nice. a, as good a power run with explosion and running through the tackler as any running back had all day. It was also the first 20-yard run any Saints running back has had all year, so that goes to say um, you know, what they've been explosiveness-wise. He, he's had nice receiving days the last couple of weeks. He had 50 receiving yards last week, 49 the week before, and then you put him at quarterback and he has one throw, or two throws, and one of them's a 44-yard throw to Rashid Shahid, the other guy I want to point out. Love that guy. Who had three catches today. One was where he took a potential Taysom Hill interception and yanked it away from the defender for 44. Another one was for 58 yards. And then another was to seal the game, a 51-yarder at the very end when they're trying to run clock and they don't get conservative and Carr puts up a beauty and he goes out of bound with a 51. That is three catches 
for what, 153. That is Randy Moss. I was going to say, that's stuff. Randy Moss against the Cowboys on <laughs> Thanksgiving or whatever it was. It, it is absolutely yeah. beautiful. And Shahid, after he makes that play to end it, does the Steph Curry, like, night-night. I'm putting the Colts to sleep. I loved it. What a performance by the Saints. It's offense. pretty incredible. Like, Taysom Hill, after today's performance, um, is one of two players in NFL history twenty five pl- with 25-plus rushing touchdowns, 10-plus passing, and 10-plus receiving. The only other player is a guy that just wouldn't exist this way. It was Frank Gifford. Like, it kind of makes me wonder why there aren't at least, like, four or five dudes like this in the league. But he's really the only well, one that does Because they couldn't this. play quarterback well enough. But that that's is insane. The but, like, these that are the best the athletes on the planet. Like, Taysom Hill remains this complete in isolated fascination and he's still doing it and he's actually adding things to his game because he's been like a legit tight end at times this year Juwan Johnson was out for a few weeks and he was taking legit tight end snaps and doing pretty well that Johnson came back in today that helped but I I was really if you're a Saints fan you were really encouraged because Kamara had his best game I thought of the season you were asking for some explosiveness from him he gets two touchdowns runs over uh, a guy on a nice angle route they were a little more creative he had four catches for 51 yards through the air that was you know was much different Carr had a nice solid game 310 yards I was wondering if he would come up I know it's like we've mentioned about 12 people not Derek Carr yet Derek Carr played a, a really good game I, uh, I mean, this is, they said they had 511 total yards. This is, this is the peak of what they imagine this offense to be. And uh, yeah, you're right about Hill. They're going to, if they're smart, they're going to keep him involved because they're better with him. And on some really big play plays in the game, especially early, they, it was Carr and Michael Thomas completing some difficult throws. So how about the Colts? I, I give them credit. I don't give the crowd credit. Mark Sanchez pointed this out. A lot of the crowd started leaving at 35 to 27. Look, that's a one score game. And they had just punted the ball away, but there was only like five minutes left. Tough, tough traffic. That's there a bad in the job. Quarter, bro. Uh, Minshew is up and down every game. Two hundred thirteen yards on forty-one attempts. There were some like great Minshew plays, and there were some, you know, total head strack scratchers and a huge interception at the end uh, in the fourth quarter, I believe, uh, that helped seal it for the Saints. Why is Jonathan Taylor still not getting a full workload at this point? Twelve. For 95, Greggy. It is so mystified. He had seven for 82 in the first quarter. Come on. What, what I was like, did he get hurt? Come on. They just kept going three and Be out. smart. It was a very streaky, strange game. It was pretty entertaining, actually, but he looked fantastic. And then Zach Moss started running so well, and he's so good at, on the goal line that they were using him in that spot. But it was strange. They just didn't have the ball very much. I don't know. I don't know. I do like having Jonathan Taylor back in my life, though. Uh, one more game. Let's go to Charlotte where the Panthers... Oh, they were looking for that first win. Would they finally get it? Pinheiro, this Buzzer time. Buzzer said he had a feeling on the Thursday show. I didn't get everything 23 wrong. yards for the Panthers' first win of the season. From the right hash. Chippy. Let's do it again. Jansen, snap. Hecker's hole. Pinheiro's kick. The Panthers win. <laughs> the first win of the Frank Reich era. <laughs> Bryce Young's first win as the Panthers quarterback. 15-13. to Carolina over Houston, your final. Boom. <laughs> I have not said this name because the Panthers had not won. Anish Shroff with the call. WRFX. Uh, Pinheiro, yes. He, he jumped on the back of his teammate. Was it's like he was riding a little riding a pony, pony or a, a little pony there. through the, uh, the open prairie land. He, he kicks the 23-yarder uh, that lifts the Panthers to a 15-13 win over the Texans. Tough loss, obviously, for the Texans, a team that um, there's been a lot of excitement around uh, getting their act together. Well, you don't lose to a winless team 
and expect us to take you seriously. What happened? Sestog. I thought both teams um, put forth arguably their best defensive performances of the year. Uh, neither team crossed 230 yards, and it looked Whoa. like it. Um, that said, I guess, like, the focus is, like, it's, you know, Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. One uh, versus two. And Bryce Young, you know, I think, Greg, you mentioned it on the on the preview show that in the last couple of games, there's been these moments, and it's not like we're looking for one play out of the whole thing. Um, today, I thought there were there were like legitimate signs that Bryce Young, um, I think, has a toughness that's underrated. He took a lot of punishment in this game. The Texans, who have been, came in the league with, I think, the ninth, ninth fewest sacks, sacked him five times. Um, Will mm. Anderson is a star. They've got some players on that defense. They're well-coached. And, like, every time Bryce Young took punishment, he just kept up, get up, and just got up and kind of, there was a goal line stand where, like, they, the Panthers were stopped, but then on the next drive, Bryce Young goes down the field and leads them to a touchdown game. So a lot of things happen. Okay, where it's okay. like, Bryce Young is starting to show you things. There was, um, and I know, you know, Adam Thielen, everyone wrote him off. Uh, he's been really good on this team. And, like, he, had, he caught a 31-yard pass from Bryce Young. It was this incredible um, shot that showed you his, you know, his accuracy, his strength. Um, there was a play where uh, Bryce Young hit DJ Chark, where he's kind of hung around in the pocket, stepped up, saw the field. Chark wasn't his first target, I don't think, and he made, with good vision, hit him. And it's like you're just seeing, for the win aside, there was progress. And I thought that the Panthers' defense, um, Frankie Louvu, I feel like is a guy just shows up every week, and like he had a monster game. His mom came in from like overseas to see him for the first time ever in the NFL, and Frankie Louvu. Name another guy, Mark. Go. What do you mean? Give me another guy. Uh, Dante Jackson. Give me another great. one. <laughs> Brian Burns, Derek Brown. Like they, they turned the Texans offense into a situation where John McClain, their longtime beat writer was going nuts about oh, yeah, the offensive play calling the whole thing. He was, <laughs> yeah, I love when he gets frustrated and he had, he had a reason to be today. Um, it was, it was a step back for the Texans offense to some degree, but I think both teams, like you kind of got the best version of their defenses. and I'm come out a little more encouraged about what the Panthers might be building on offense. Sneaky big moment for their organization. They they are they are very much aware of the Stroud Bryce Young thing. And to get the win in this game, I, I think that's big. And for him to outplay Stroud. Stroud's had his t- two uh, least efficient games in a row. It's gonna happen. Rookie quarterbacks, it's not all gonna be great, but he he, he struggled a little bit in that game right before the bye and then and coming out of it as well. It's a different offensive coordinator, different play caller for Bryce Young. And so the, the running game didn't do anything, but I think that's, you got to be pretty encouraged. You get a new play caller and you suddenly throw for over seven yards per attempt. Good job. Good job by the paint. It's always a nice moment when the last team without a win yeah. gets a win. Yes, the celebration is always a little extra. It's Cleo Lemon to Greg Camarillo. I mean, the celebration is bigger the, the later in the season you go. I'm just happy for Frank Reich, though. I mean, it's been, it's been tough watching old Frank age like a two-term president. Uh, these press conferences all year have been difficult. So you had to, you ha- has to feel great to finally get off the schneid. And, and sure enough, a, a nice scene in the, the Panthers locker room, you know, right before the bye, he handed over play calling duties to OC Thomas Brown. And uh, I'll play the clip. Uh, thank you to the Panthers Twitter handle. And this, this one, me- hey, they all mean a lot. This one means a lot to me. Woo. We knew he was going to be be a beast when he got here. And when the game was on the line, he called the perfect series, right? Thomas Brown. 
Oh, really nice. And you, and you see the emotion there in Frank Reich's eyes. And he, he made it clear, guys, that that, even though we had speculated it, and no one knows maybe the true story, but Reich said it was 100% his decision. He had always planned to give Brown the play-calling duties, and he said that he called it you know, a perfect final series there to help clinch the win. Very cool. And, uh, you know, bad news there for Bears fans. That kind of day. Mm, yes. <laughs> Good call. Well, and look at, and I was, um, I spent the last month being really tough on Frank Reich, who is probably historically one of the most heroic backup quarterbacks of all time and did things that I saw visually that changed <laughs> my life as a football fan. So another huge win for my, uh, predictive abilities and everything else like i did it's like um he's it's hard why it's like the easiest guy to root for and that's the guy i'm like that's the guy you, my crosshairs target on his back yeah but you know what how about maybe i refocus <laughs> don't beat yourself up buddy it has been a tough year okay. for the panthers but they have a, a positive sunday uh can't say the same uh for those chicago bears uh greg rosenthal let's head to Sunday night football. Pistol formation now with Eckler behind Herbert. Rolling to his right, sets his feet. There's the screen to Eckler, makes the first man miss, and there's Eckler. Left sideline to the 20, 15, 10, lowers the shoulder. Into the end zone, touchdown Chargers. Austin Eckler, 39 yards. An historic touchdown for Eckler. A historic touchdown for Eckler. Matt Money Smith, our buddy, the original voice of God for Around the NFL with the call for Chargers Radio. It's historic. Thank you, Eric Roberts, with the cue, uh, because that's 400 career receptions, 30 touchdown receptions, and 40 TDs for Eckler since the beginning of 2021. One of the premier producers at the running back uh, position in this decade. Uh, and that just got the ball rolling for the Chargers, who marched down the field uh, for their uh, first points of the game and then rolled to a 30-13 to win over the woebegone Chicago Bears. The Tyson Bagent story hits a little bump in the road. That bump, Mark Sessler, is reality. Reality bites! I mean, isn't this the, like the Chargers game we've waited for? Uh, they refuse to give it to us, you know, for weeks and months in a row, but tonight their drive chart um, opens with touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal. Oh, a little punt just to get that in the mix. And then field goal. It's like, and then they, you know, then the game is over at that point. It's like, uh, let's be real. We, that, we are in the, like the rare situation where the Chargers game is happening about 40 feet from our office. So that's why we circled home to record this here where we do and like uh the game was well 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 in hand by the time we were driving home and i i spent um 30 to 40 minutes listening to matt money smith and daniel jeremiah and i i know we like to take one of them and act as if they don't exist but they did a wonderful job it's like they actually got to call a game <laughs> that didn't come down to the final two seconds and have something go so totally insane and crazy. <laughs> and we're not talking about Brandon Staley's job security for once. And they handled their business and they looked like the sum of their parts and they played a lesser team and looked like it. And that's all I kind of have been asking for from the Chargers from the start of the season. And tonight they did it. And that enough that that's all I that's all I need. <laughs> And they did it tonight. It's all, it's all Mark needs. It's all Mark needs in the world. The big time I mean, Chargers win. I mean, it's a nice Greg, 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 have you noticed that like 
yes, we did he- head back to our respective homes to finish the pod. It's like a totally different Sessler now. He's, he's, he's even talking differently. He's a softer tone. He's more introspective. Uh, there is a, a, I'm a gen- different I'm sense happier. about him. It, it's I'm a, happier. It's a totally new mark. It's a new generation. I mean, the, this Chargers victory has totally changed his insides and, and his heart. Uh, he's just so excited. I uh, Look, it's nice. You get to three and four. That's what we asked for. If they had lost this game, you're right. Uh, Brandon Staley shaves um, uh, what, what a friend of mine referred to as Staley's podcast beard. He shaved it. He said he wanted to reset, so he's going clean shaven. So... Uh, good job by him. I do like seeing Joey Bosa. Like the very first drive of the game, he steps up with a huge sack to end the drive. He had a big fourth down stop uh, later in the game. Like I've been wanting their big players to make play. Derwin James was good in coverage, had an interception tonight. Herbert starts 11 for 11 for, for 120. Like Quinton Johnston, the number one pick who, who's been struggling all made plays like it was a feel-good night so it's great you move ahead you get to three and four other teams haven't been blasting the Bears, so it's nice that that they did it all the players that they need to step up stepped up yeah and justin herbert is um he took a wicked shot late in this game which you don't like to see and it was a wicked shot um you know in the ribs area and collinsworth pointed out you know this is a guy who's had, had a season significantly impacted last year uh by a rib injury from a tough hit against the Chiefs in primetime, if you remember that. Uh, but up until that point, uh, the Chargers did uh, excellent work protecting him. He did not take any sacks in the game. He had time to throw, and you saw what happens when Herbert gets that protection. Um, he got everybody involved. He completed 31 of 40 passes, nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, so on a day, Mark, where the Chargers' rushing game did nothing, uh, managing a pathetic 54 yards on 25 carries. Uh, when you have a quarterback like Herbert, that's okay if he can make it hum in other ways. And and against, I, I guess I'll say, Mark, like, yes, this is definitely progress for the Chargers who are allergic to putting away teams. Um, but if you couldn't put, put away this Bears team starting Tyson Bajant in your building on Sunday night, you just shut down the season. So there are more tests to come for this team, but at least they got back in the win column and can feel good about themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, coming into this week, we were openly talking about the fact that perhaps the head coach is, you know, on the hot seat if they didn't win this game. And so you take care of it in like non-typical Chargers fashion. Um, You've got the Jets next week in New York, that defense. I think the same thing applies. It's a Monday night game. It's two weeks in a row where you're on an island game where like we're assessing the Brandon Staley experience. We're assessing what Justin Herbert is in this offense. Like he's not the problem. He's the solution. But, uh, you know, I, I, to me, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the chargers experience in general, but I do think like you got to go handle the teams you should beat. We talked about that with the dolphins earlier in this recap, go be like that team. At least Uh, this was a step in that direction. Like you've got all these parts, like their roster is better than, 80% of the league and they don't play that way. And that's why they're so frustrating. So tonight the experience was different. And like, I, I I just need fresh experiences. That's why I'm enthused by the whole experience, Greg. It is, it is, it is tangible. And uh, look, we could have come out of this game enthused about Tyson Badgett. And instead, uh, look, he hit a big throw on his very first throw of the game. And they barely tried another deep throw the whole rest of the game. Valus Jones, it was kind of a disastrous draft pick for them. Uh, 
you know, messed up what, what should have been a, a touchdown, but they wouldn't have competed in this game anyways. And it's kind of good to put away the like, well, Justin Fields could have learned a thing or two by, you know, seeing what Bajan did la- last week. It's a little more of a, a back to reality game, kind of like the Patriots earlier today. Yeah. The Bears as an organization need to, you know, keep keep their eye on the ball here and not get uh, distracted by shiny things like a Tyson Bajan. It's still about developing Justin Fields and seeing uh, if he is the guy you want to get behind beyond the season. And there's still time to do that. But uh, they are they are out of the mix in all other ways. Any other thoughts on this game, guys? Kind of a quiet Sunday night football game. Not a lot of drama or intrigue, to be frank. No, I'm waiting to hear what Mark has next. Well, I have something before we get to Mark Ooh. and Mark is uh, got something that we're all excited to hear, but uh, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned the old man was uh, too stunned to even have comments about uh, the Jets win over the Giants. I, on my way home, I got a text that he changed his mind. Mm. Oh, I like this. Hit it, Roberts. Here's my review of today's Jet game. That ending probably was one of the most exciting endings that I've ever seen with the Jets, to have the clock stop with one second and then the Jets hitting a a tying field goal and then getting into overtime and then winning the game with another field goal. The fact that they played so poorly didn't seem to bother me so much thinking about it later but the fact that they won uh and they beat the giants was something that i'll always think of as one of the games that uh will be in jet history as a it's just a, a a tough game but not the best game but a great win thanks thank you papa and i have to say like i sometimes get um uh, tagged as being a Giants apologist in some ways on the show. Um, and it is true that moving west has softened my feelings about the Giants um, because I have some like connections to them as, um, you know, a connection to my old life back in New York. But Keith Hansis has no such, um, you know, conflicts of the mind. He hates the Giants, has always hated the Giants. Grew up in the Bronx, which is Giants country. They used to play in Yankee Stadium, and he had no time for that team ever. So anytime the Jets can uh, embarrass the Giants or put a a historic loss on them in terms of one that will never be forgotten, I know my dad, even though he sounds a little bit stunned still, um, that's what he likes the most, that he took out the G-Men. It matters. I mean, this is a franchise, and we all know this, spent, you know, decades playing in Giants Stadium. That's Brutal. that's absurd. That's emasculating. Like that doesn't work. And like uh, that would never they would that would never play today. Um, and your dad is. Um, I'm glad he spoke about this because he's now on this magic carpet ride uh, that I've told you is going to just take them to magical places. And he's he's getting there. <laughs> I love that, Mark. And uh, why not? Why don't we keep it in the family to wrap up the show, Mark? Take it away. Yeah. So like. Uh, uh, you know, I have two children. Um, one is Colton, who is younger than my older son, Luke, who turned 13 today. And like, I'm kind of freaking out about the fact that I have a 13 year old. Um, I will note 
that um, I mentioned, I think either, you know, on the show earlier that I, my PTO was very brief. Um, but the week after Luke was born, which is today, uh, was the actual game that I've mentioned a thousand times where Brian Dayball, <laughs> the OC of the Browns, um, coached Peyton Hillis and Colt McCoy to that incredible <laughs> win over the Patriots. It happened literally was like the next game after my son Luke was born. You see him right here. And like, um, if you're watching the YouTube copy and I, I don't know, I just, I'm, I think as parents, we don't know what to say sometimes about how proud we are about our children. And like, uh, he's an incredibly resilient and creative and, um, loving person. Like he's like, he's been through a lot in his life, you know, and he's just like this person that always every day. Um, I think sometimes you can see other people in your family if you have a child. And I see my grandmother from my dad's side who every morning she woke up and would sing and would, um, it was a new day, no matter what happened the day before. And that is how I think of Luke. And like, uh, I don't have that power. So I don't know where it came from. You know, it's like I watch my son Colton play soccer and he goes and scores three goals. Like the only goal I ever scored in soccer was on my own team. Oh, uh, it went off the back of my foot and into our, you know, my own goal. So it's like you learn to like see things differently. And it's like I, I'm I'm wondering where these people come from sometimes as a parent. Um, but I see little things in Luke that make me so proud of him every day. So he's 13. Um, not an easy age to be. Mm -mm. Uh, but I have full trust that he'll just use his internal skills and who he is to become what it becomes next. So happy birthday. And I think this is a special show because it wouldn't, if we're on ESPN, like, well, you can't talk about this, but like on our show you can. So like, uh, I'm thankful for that. And like, uh, I wish him well, I don't even know if he'll watch this, but if he does, well, you, well, you got to tell him, you got to tell him, tune into the end of the show. Happy yeah. birthday, Luke. You're the best. And uh, my birthday present is, you know, I'll give a plug. You got to follow Luke. He's the best plane <laughs> spotter around. What's his Instagram yes. account? Yeah. LAX plane spotting. I love um, it. Yeah. He is like a, become a great photographer and videographer of like of a niche, you know, niche. Like he, we live near LA, like LAX, like uh, Dan the closest, but we drive over there too. And it's like, these planes are landing and he's got this content. He's super into it. And like, um, he just, I, I remember someone not unlike him that was like super obsessive at age 13 about things. Maybe that is where the link is. And I, I know we'll do something with it. Um, and I love it. I love to see it. Um, that's pretty crazy that you, you just turned 50 Mark and now you got a 13 year old son and that is, he is a great boy. And I, I remember him as a infant when we first met, uh, yes. and now here he is, uh, in yes, the very, interesting uh sometimes dicey but also at times exhilarating uh early teens for a, a young boy uh so best of luck to luke he he's a great kid good stuff good family stuff to end the show anything else greg love it get, let's get your dad on the, let's get your dad on to talk some pats i think he's tuned out on the pats uh, my mom my mom is not she's probably invested but i think he's more you know it'll jump to the celtics um okay great stuff so thank you to everybody for uh listening now uh, we got the trade deadline coming up so we will be um ready to record uh whenever news breaks um until then you know what you need to do heed the call happy birthday Luke!
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 